And now it's time to bait our hooks, cast our nets, drop our poles in the water, and fish for some jokes with Down on the Dock. Episode 69. That's what it's all about here Giggity. at Down on the Docks today. My name's Chris Neff. I'm Joan as always by my uh, co-host, producing partner, and um, poker buddy. Yeah, for poker buddies. Dave, Sarah. How are you, good. buddy? Pretty good. Hello. Thanksgiving episode, Dave. Thanksgiving episode. What are you thankful for? My cock. Okay. I figured it was going to be lower gas prices because I know that that's an issue for your commute to the studio. I always just go straight to Dick jokes when you ask me something and i'm not prepared for it well um of course it is thanksgiving week which means my mother is in town yes i uh, went a little hard on her last so night you did we had our annual poker game in which yeah. you proceed to melt down lose my money uh lose your money, lose my money. to my mom yes and I then lost threaten, everybody. threaten to break her hip i said that to her yes i said <laughs> so, i'll break your hip lady <laughs> so it was rude you did get that the, wasn't even the worst thing i said to her all. No, i gotta say one thing the there. It's, it's fun it's all fun and games you know i turn it on when i need to uh and i'm a nice normal person most of the time you are but, but when but you when take you, a bad beat yeah. like you took against me yeah. the, you the wheels they don't fall off they explode off right and then it's I just a descent yeah. into madness yeah and we all get to sit there and watch and i, I and started laugh. so good you did i started off so good playing nice and tight yep. won my first hand won the first hand of the game of but the day do you notice always the big hands you lose are to me yeah, I did. Damn, that one yeah. I call I should have called. I mean, there was so many. I made every single you chance. I always zig when, when I should have zagged. Exactly. Every and single that's fucking time. That's dude. poker, and that's why it can be the most the frustrating joke, game. The jokes were fun. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. Yeah. So the, uh, party um, favors were fun. We too. want to wish you all a uh, happy Thanksgiving. We hope you're with your friends and family, and most importantly, listening to an episode of Down on the Docks. Yes. A uh, lot of great chatter on uh, the last couple episodes of Mr. <laughs> Death, The Rise and Fall of yeah, uh, Fred A. Lukter. Freaking Lukes. And um, as always, uh, last week was episode 68. Yes. So we want to recognize uh, Retard Sexual Blowtorch 68 yes. for his uh, tireless support of the show. Yes. This week's meme speaks for itself. And more importantly, Dave... You always say, what can they do to help us around here if they want to support us? Yep. And they go to Apple Podcasts. They leave a review. Yep. They follow us on Twitter at Down on the Docks. They can follow us on Instagram at Down on the Docks Pod. Uh, and then, of course, they leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. Spotify. This week, I yep. would like to say this. If you have been enjoying the show, don't tell us that Dave sucks. Don't tell them that I'm brilliant. Say thank you to Retard Sexual Blowtorch yes, 68. That's a great idea. For all of these I'm thankful amazing, for RSB 68. Me too. Me too. He's the best, man. I'm thankful oh, for she's you. The best. I have no idea. It could it's be a he, he, she, they, I, them. I'm thankful f that you go on Extreme Tilt in poker games. Yep. Meltdown. Salty Springs. And then we all just try and get you to buy back in the game. Mm -hmm. And I love how I went to that. Like, I, First of all, I wasn't even going to go to the game. Uh -huh. Second of all, I started texting you. I'm like, uh, you know what? He's like... Um, I'll come, but I'm only going to spend sixty. I'm only going to spend sixty bucks. How much did you lose last night? Uh, buck eighty. I lost, well, actually, I, no. Tech, so I, when I look back on it, I really only spent mm -hmm. 
I spent a buck thirty because I did spot Mike one time. Okay, and then uh, one of his rebuys, and then he ended up doubling up my buddy Mike, uh-huh. and he ended up doubling up, and then being able to pay me back. Yep, win his money back. Oh, so he won some and money, and then come maybe win an extra like thirty yeah. bucks. Well, or so. you can't put a price on friendship. No, especially brings... when that friend drives you home afterwards. Exactly. <laughs> now, before I was going to segue right into the show because I had a great segue there, but before we start, Dave, tell this week's listeners who this week's podcast is sponsored by this week's episode of down on the docks is brought to you by broccoli farms established in 2016 san diego california by cannabis entrepreneur anthony bird broccoli farms is a modern take on cannabis brands around the world by combining new terminology involving cannabis worldwide anthony created a <laughs> cannabis brand that uniquely represents the entire cannabis industry as one broccoli farms are you just not cannabis industry as four maybe the lowest delivery minimum in San Diego, fair prices and quality products makes Broccoli Farms one of the best deliveries in San Diego for almost a decade. Be sure to mention, we got to change that to a decade pretty yeah. soon. Yeah, good point. <laughs> Be sure to mention Down on the Docks podcast for 15% off your next order, along with first-time patient gifts and rewards. Fuck that pussy. <laughs> Check them out today on Instagram at Broccoli Farms 619 and Sarah. Okay, Dave. Sticky strips. Sticky strips. Bong water. Um, what what do you think of when I say timeless? Oh, um, hmm. Forever. Yes. What, yes. Are, what, what are some things that come to mind when yeah, you say that thing? Timeless. Timeless. Forever. Uh, um, I think of timeless watches. Okay. Okay. They're Timex, but yeah. Oh, isn't there a timeless brand? There's some. I remember when I think of the word timeless, I am reminded of commercials that use the word timeless. Very good point. That's, I, that's where we're headed. I can't. Oh, really? Uh huh. I don't. You ever hear of a little saying, "A diamond is forever"? Oh yeah. Is that uh, De Beers or Zales? It's one of them. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know which one. It's and of course, of as uh, Southern Californians, we have the luxury of living in, next to Tustin. Ooh. which is the jewelry exchange that I've oh. heard on ads for years on yes. AM radio. Oh, and shit, I've seen right. their ads on TV and they're like, yeah. come to the jewelry Tum- exchange yeah. in Tustin. Tustin exchange. I think it's kind of like the West Coast version of Diamond District in New York. But of course, right. I've never been, but I've heard it on the it's radio weird for that's years. in Tustin. Yeah, I know. Of all I places. guess like you got a, you had at one point you had a lot of military people there. Maybe. In Tustin. Yeah. And then um, because there's bases out there, I think there's I multiple bases. Around there, and so like maybe they think, oh, military men get get uh, uh, get married, but they need a moderate. Have you ever uh, purchased a diamond ring? No, I think I've thought for a long, long time since mm-hmm. I was a child. Since I heard this one, I heard a couple like I don't remember if it was like a documentary or something. Man, it might have been talk radio where they just talk about first of all how they're already making fake diamonds, mm-hmm. and then. And then it also went into the whole De Beers um, mm-hmm. controversy about yep. how they hoard diamonds. That's what we're going to talk also, about But also, and like at this point now, it seems like they're really just some kind of um, inflated symbol of love. Okay. That is a very, very great point. And we're going to discuss that in detail on today's episode, which covers the documentary called Nothing Lasts Forever, uh-huh. released in 2022. Directed by Jason Cohn. Okay. I just watched this documentary on Paramount Plus, and we're just going to dive into it. This film begins, and we see a wide shot of a massive rock quarry, and then slowly the camera pans down into this quarry. And when I say large quarry, it's got rings around it that are just like 
descending in, but because it's so big, you don't realize that those rings are roads that oh, these shit. massive trucks, these massive dump trucks drive down into. That's crazy. And then you see the center, and it's this beautiful emerald green water, this lake. Okay? and then that, At the bottom of the hole? Yeah. Wow. And then that shot transitions into the face of a diamond and then into a, a massive piece of industrial machinery. Now, this industrial machinery we see, we're not really sure what it is, but the way I would describe it is it first looked like some sort of like lunar module. Like, it's big. But then we see it a little bit more, and it's massive. I would say it's the size of a car, and it's it's like a a, a, a T shape, okay. like an X, okay. But it's upright, and you could see that this is the focus of this machine, okay. But we don't know what it's for. Got it. And then we see a title card, "Nothing Lasts Forever," and we begin to hear someone speak, and it looks like it's from an interview. And the guy says, well, I know my wife's been looking around for something special. After all, it's been a few years since I bought her a diamond. <laughs> and then we hear another female. This is half a loop. Of course, the diamond content in the full hoop is much greater. Was it a half hoop or a full hoop your wife had in mind? I think she'd prefer the full hoop. Uh, most women do. Oh, God. You know what, dude? I'm sorry right now. You, yeah. All I can picture yeah. is while you're saying all this, <clears throat> I just picture some bougie lady in New York or Dallas or L.A. Yes. in a giant place talking about her jewelry. Yep. But behind that, all I could see are like those, like they call, you know, it's so crazy. They call them artisan uh-huh. Artisan mines. Which yeah, is, which means, I learned that this episode. Yeah, what does which that mean? Means, it means that uh, artisan means that these motherfuckers are doing it by hand. That's so you what have it means. African children. Yes. Cobalt mines or diamond mines, whatever. Yeah. Literally, they call it artisan to like make it make sound, it sound nice. Yeah, like a handcrafted. And like as as you're saying this, all I'm imagining imagining are these gaudy fucking ear loops uh-huh. with diamonds encrusted, while some seven-year-old in Zimbabwe is just like hammering at a fucking rock. Yeah. Well, next... I'm sure it's not... Next, this is very important. This is very important. We see a transition shot, and we see a man loading what looks like gunpowder into a small metal box. Now, the box is probably twice the size of an engagement ring box. Okay. Okay. But he's very skillfully pouring in what looks like gunpowder. Okay. All right. Now, now, remember that massive machine I was telling you about yeah. before, the size of a car? Uh-huh. These wide doors on it, these hinges swing open. Okay. It's like a Rubik's Cube uh, in the shape of like a, a plus sign. They open that thing up. Then they put that little box into the middle of the machine. Then they lock it all up. And we're like, whoa, what is this oh, machine Oh, shit. Don't tell about? me it's like a carbon presser. You're very close. Wow. Well, back to these women shopping at the comer- in this old vintage commercial. Mary, have you seen these? Jane, those are diamonds. I know. Aren't they gorgeous? Uh, it's your birthday coming up quite soon, isn't it? Well, back to the man loading the small mysterious box into this unknown gigantic machine. And we see another clip uh, from what appears to be a British TV show. Now, the only reason I know it's a Brit- British TV show is our crack research team recognized an actor in this British TV show named uh, Robert Bathurst. Okay. And he says, it's always worth noting showing an expensive piece from the top end, even if it doesn't sell from some time. Uh, you know what you might call an aspirational piece. Oh, God. 
Uh, and then <sighs> the same guy. I can't tell which people are. Like, at least these people and fine art people, mm-hmm. they run in the same circles, oh, I'm absolutely. sure. absolutely. They but need like, each other to launder money. Exactly. But I can't tell which are more insufferable. The art people, I think. Well, but here's the thing about the art people. Know. Some of the art is actually good and cool yeah. and masterful and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But then you got all this other art uh-huh. that is literal Shit. garbage yeah. and made by Hunter Biden on a cracked out <laughs> rampage. I mean, <laughs> okay. Jesus Christ, what are we doing here? Well, the man says, okay, so uh, I don't understand. What's the point of attracting people with an item they can't afford to buy? Well, back to the gets ma- them into the door. <laughs> well, back to this machine. We see that the chamber is now closed on this massive machine, and we see a green button being pressed on the console of the machine. <laughs> and a man turns a key, turns another key, and presses more buttons. And then we hear the machine starting its work. Wow! Back to the man. Uh, because they'll tend to spend more on what they choose to buy. Well, this is the one I like, but why is it nearly twice the price of this one? Then we see a a woman in uh, an older interview, and she says, The value of a diamond depends on four characteristics. The larger the diamond, the rarer it is. The better the color, the more valuable it is. The greater the clarity, the more beautiful it is. However, it's the quality of the cut that gives the diamond its brilliance. Now, Dave, have you ever heard of the four C's? Um, okay, so we have the diamond. We have the we have a princess cut. Nope. Okay, I don't know any of them. Uh, princess <laughs> well, is just like a stupid fucking wedding band term, then, huh? No, a princess cut is just a style of cutting of of the shape once it's cut. Uh, the four C's are what everybody tells you you need to know. When the you're clarity. The, That's one. The cut. That's two. The the color. Color. And then yep. you just said them. You just said that all, you just said all of them. The yeah. clarity, the cut, the color, and the ca- ca- carrot, carrot size. The carrot there. Yes. Okay, let's get, let's get back to this mystery machine because I'm sure you want to know what's coming out of the machine. So this process, this machine opens up. We take this small cube, and then a guy takes a hammer to it, and he's just crushing this cube. And then he goes through all the remnants of the cube, and then he pulls out with tweezers what a, what appear to be uh, what appears to be a rough diamond. Now it's probably okay, okay. So just wait, like this a, big. It's a cube of rock. Yeah. Oh, uh, like dirt rock kind of. It's the core that was in this yeah. machine. Whoa. Oh uh-huh. shit. And it already went through this process. Oh fuck. Did we don't know how, how long. long it took? No, okay. we don't know how long it's been in there. But then so we see these tweezers holding a rough, unpolished stone. What about this one? Uh, it's a very fine stone. Remarkably few inclusions. Yes, well, internal characteristics are only really visible through the loop. Beautiful clarity, and of course, you don't see the high dispersion you get with simulated stones. Uh, it is a diamond, then? Well, next we see a skilled professional in a small industrial-looking room. He takes a tool to that stone that we'd previously seen, and he begins to polish it. Okay. Well, next we meet gemologist... Um, in New York. His name is Dusan Simich. Hmm. And he holds a jeweler's loop in his hand while he carefully inspects a diamond. Mm-hmm. Theoretically, based on my knowledge, my experience, I think that everything could be faked. Everything could be could be uh, made same as natural. I like same so, as natural. I like so much idea about synthetic diamonds. 
It's much more cheaper than natural stones, and also it looks better. Well, he rotates a diamond in a pair of tweezers, and we get a close-up. This thing's gorgeous. Yeah. And uh, I, I paused it because I was like, what does it say on there? And in reverse, uh, uh, like, uh, written language, it says diamond-grown lab inside the diamond. Wow. It's very tiny, though. That's hilarious. Yeah. It says it inside. That's cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. Now, we meet the interviewer who's going to be off camera, but he's going to introduce on, and he says, but if a diamond could be produced in a laboratory of the same or better quality for much, much cheaper, why should we still mine for diamonds? Uh, that's, I can tell you, only this a good question. Some people want something that really belongs to the earth, yeah. something that is made by God, made in, not made in some lab, what do you think about this? But from the geological point, there is no difference. All right. Now, that's Simon. Yeah. Or is that his name? I don't remember. Dusan Simich. Simich. We he's call Eastern, him Simon. He's Eastern European. Yeah. Well, next we meet a man named Martin Rappaport. Now, he's the chairman of the Rappaport Group. And we know he's in New York because we see a sign that says, you know. I don't suppose he's related to the Rappaport that owns it. He is the Rappaport. Oh, he is. Do you know this guy? No, it's a joke. Oh, okay. Well, he's hanging out in the Diamond District. Now, we first meet this guy. He's surrounded by this immense oak desk. Nice. Okay. And behind him. How do you know it's oak? I can tell oak from, <laughs> from mahogany. Yeah, I can. Yeah. Okay. okay. So uh, he's got this behind him, a bookshelf, and it's just filled with books that are all identical and they're very slim volumes of books. Okay. So right away you're like, who the fuck is this guy? It seems what? just like a it's a collection of like some kind of pamphlets or something. Yeah, not but like you're a, not instructionals. Sure. He says, Let me tell you a story, right? Oh boy. When I started in the diamond business, um I was knocking on doors. My mother gave me five thousand cash. He's probably late fifties. I said, Mom, I don't want to take your money. She says <laughs> I don't want you to spend the money. I want you to put it in your pocket. You'll talk differently if you have 5000 in your pocket. That's what she said to me. Hmm. You wear something that's valuable, and you know it's valuable. You strut differently. You feel different. <laughs> now, I know this to be true. <laughs> yeah. Because when you have, like, four grams of cocaine yeah. in your pocket... You don't see me you're for days. <laughs> you're a different person yeah i got strut i uh -huh. got a little walk well uh, it's a little heavy you've got a little fanny pack and then i've <laughs> gone into there and there's like another bottle and it's like rocks of molly yeah is that what it is that's what it was and you're like a walking pharmacy yeah but it changes your attitude yeah do you know what i that's mean that's pre fest dave sure but it almost feels like there's more pep in your step a little bit and you <laughs> got a couple rocks in my pocket. You got <laughs> different kinds of rocks. Yeah. But you just feel it makes you feel like a little more yeah, confident yeah, yeah, and powerful. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And of powerful. course, it makes you feel like a drug dealer because yes, that's kind of no, what you are. Drug user. Okay. Well, back to Martin. Your sense of confidence, your sense of who you are is different. The real thing eh, has, it brings with it a certain sense of, I know it's real. Okay, you could have a Picasso in your house, it's a lithograph, and maybe nobody knows it's not the real thing, but you do. 
God. Huh? <laughs> Don't point at me like that. <laughs> so, uh, so, hey, so is that what it's called? A lithograph means yeah, that... Yeah, it's a print. Oh, because that's a, a print. Is a print. Got, got, but got, got, often got, an artist got, can got. sign a limited edition. No, sure, sure. I know. just wasn't sure if they call it, if a lithograph was like a hand-painted replica No, of no, no. It's it's a print. I would be down for some shit like that. I have, Get a hand-painted Picasso. And just litho it? Get no, no, a number no, no, to no, 50? No, no, Like cover, like cover band status. Like just somebody paints... Uh-huh. Uh, a really nice Rembrandt or whatever, uh-huh. and like I'd be down. You want a cover version? You cover, would, okay. I'd be as long as it's actually painted. Yeah, I would be down for that. Okay. Um, well, Martin says, um, or excuse me, the interviewer says, when I tell people I'm going to sit down with Martin Rappaport, what I usually say is, this is the most famous person in the diamond industry. He sets the prices of diamonds. Well, Martin says, oh, I don't set the price. <laughs> the, mar- the market sets the I prices. I report the prices. Right. Okay. I'm like the weather man. I don't make the weather. I let you know what the weather is. <laughs> this fucking guy has <laughs> got, uh, yeah. What about the prices of synthetic diamonds? No. No. This Why? guy doesn't seem like he's a Holocaust denier. He's not a Holocaust <laughs> denier. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to make sure. You know why you can tell he's not a Holocaust denier? Why is that? Because he's wearing a yarmulke. Oh, <laughs> he's not a Holocaust denier. Is that denier. what the giveaway was? Yes. Okay. Um, well, why? <sighs> because I don't think that... I don't legitimize a product that I believe is going to be seen as one of the most illegitimate products in the 21st century. But how is it different? When was 9-11? Oh, God. Uh, 2001. Yeah, so in 2003, I made a conference in New York about synthetic diamonds. Well, we see a conference presenter, and he says, this is what the machine looks like, and when we apply the pressure and temperature to the core, whoa, this guy falls off the stage. It's kind of comical. Really? Yeah. Like... He catches himself, but he was no, just the presenter. But he doesn't. He actually cat. He actually almost he caught himself. Up. Yeah. No. But shit, what, what he was describing, goof. what he was describing, was what I was describing earlier, which was the synthetic machine that creates these synthetic diamonds. Got it. And like a I said, synthetic machine that creates it, it, yeah. the synthetic. Diamonds. You can't just go do this in your backyard. No, you okay? need. There's a, a lot so, of science behind all this. Got it. The so, but like the so there's like a. So it's a, how many processes are there to this? They don't go into it, yeah, but I kind of... No, they don't want people doing this in your backyard. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Fuck this. I'm going to make diamonds. Fuck fucking Circle K getting harassed, selling lottery tickets fucking all day. Yeah. But yeah, they don't give away the process, but you get just from you know watching this that it's massive, it's heavy. There's cranes involved. They drop the shit in molten lava. They bring it out. Yeah, sick, hardcore. Well, there's a couple different ways you can do it. I see what you did. Uh, So Martin says uh, synthetic diamonds were not that new, but the ability to create gem quality synthetic diamonds was. And then we see the conference presenter. Visually, even to the most experienced gemologist, they may be indistinguishable from natural diamond. Another diamond seller. It's a big problem for all of us because it's already on the market. It's already here. Yeah, I bet I bet some people cleaned up when this early happened early the, on. When the when it first started. When it first started. And well, they first got that machine. And he says Imagine like how many people had to die just to get that machine built. <laughs> 
<laughs> Let me just explain that to you. Yeah, I know. If you think about it, right? It's not just the people who built the quarry and then died from the this, and then now because there's oh, a yeah. market there was for the money. Time. There was the money laundering that went to the the exchange for the guns. Yeah, you gotta go. You gotta pay an African king and fucking exactly something. You gotta offer your hand in marriage or uh -huh. maybe to his daughter. Who knows? Yeah, because you're basically bringing the union of like the Zambs and Bobwayans and yeah. the Botswanians. Yeah. And there's it's the Wachutu know. versus the Wahhabi. <laughs> Maybe the Gask was involved. We don't know. He quits Ocha. Anyway, this diamond white seller devil, white says, devil. What, right. what are we going to do about this? Well, Rap reported the conference. He says, a synthetic diamond will be produced and reproduced with machines until supply exceeds demand. Right. Well, the conference presenter, he says, the consumer is used to to having technology bring them products they otherwise couldn't afford. Simple as that. A diamond is a diamond. Well, Rappaport, he says, are you crazy? The wedding ring is a sign of ultimate commitment and love. And the women th doesn't just think it's what it's worth. I, I don't know, 80 or $120? Put it on a scale and that's a marriage? No, 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 no. No, not at all. The diamond's actually a symbol of commitment. Oh God! It has to be expensive. It has to have value. Has to retain value. The woman projects the value of the diamond onto herself. He's giving me something of great value because he values me greatly. Now I want to fucking punch this. I want to break this well, guy's hip. Yeah, but let's just talk about how fucked up this concept is yeah, for a moment. I, okay? This is exactly what I alluded to early on. I mean. Now, look, I want to I want to say this gently. I have a lot of friends. Some of them might even listen to the podcast. Yeah, that are in the the jewelry business and yeah. industry and yeah. sell diamonds. Yeah, you know, and like you know, shout and out to good sell gems out there, right? And if they're good salesmen, they're going to be like, "Do you love her? Because this rock yeah. is five thousand. Do you really, really love her? Because this one's ten thousand. Do you want to expend uh, <laughs> yeah. eternity with her? Because this one's half a million. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, how yeah, much yeah. is your love worth? And it's all about the. I mean, it's it's such a crazy business too, especially like these, you know, like the independent uh, diamond retailers or something like that. Like a, just like an, a guy that has a shop in fucking downtown or something like that. Yeah, it's fucking tough. I mean, everybody's selling the same fucking product. Mm -hmm. But is it worth anything? Oh god, that's Don't what you gotta ask yourself. Yeah, I mean, this is you know when when what do you think's gonna happen to? Diamond? I already knows what's happening. So you just got to, <laughs> okay. I can't tell you. Okay. I'm back to Martin. Like, what is, has the price of a natural diamond dropped in value all that much in the last? I was able to get my engagement ring, which I you purchased. Yep. And wow. then returned. And I was able to offload it for what I paid for it. Yeah. So, but I, there wasn't a whole lot of time in between. But of course, I had like all the certificates, you know, yeah. all that bullshit. All that shit is so yeah. easily faked, too. Oh, well, we're going to talk about that <laughs> in episode two. Okay. Back to Martin. He thinks, she thinks, oh, this is like a diamond. I just got a better deal because it's man made. They're suckers. Because eventually, what's going to happen? They're going to come back in 10 years and they'll say, oh, what's it worth? What's my marriage worth? What's my relationship worth? Okay, Dave, give me a little Simpsons music because what I'm going to have to do next is we're going to take a little detour and I'm going to tell you a little history about this man, Martin Rappaport. Okay, before we get into the Simpsons yeah. music, I got a quick question. Yeah. In this documentary, uh -huh. do they go into how they uh, are starting to use um, diamonds for other things like plating 
like like um like using it for like processing chips and stuff like that no they don't go into any no. of that kind of stuff okay. no that's where the synthetic they do talk that's where about, the synthetic stuff really comes into play well they do talk about that some stuff is used for cutting but not in chips or anything like that yeah see right. they don't even want you to know that shit no. all right simpsons music okay Here's what we need to know about Michael Rappaport. Right. He is the chairman of <laughs> Michael the Rappaport? Rappaport. Excuse me, Martin Rappaport. <laughs> fucking Michael Rappaport. He, all you need hey. to know about him is he's got herpes. Hey, fucking <laughs> my hey, pig dick. Hey, my, my, what the fuck is that cat doing here? Stop looking at me like that, cat. All I'll say about Michael Rappaport it's one of the funniest things ever done. is the same thing I see when anybody thinks uh, they're going to put out uh, a stand-up bit on YouTube. Yes. Stand-up comedy is hard. <laughs> yes. Okay? We don't roll out of bed and just become funny one day. We don't start at the age of 50 and are hysterical. It takes time to learn how to be funny. Yeah. Okay. Well, he slapped your good friend uh, Ari Shafir at uh, the stand in <laughs> New York right. last year. That was over the Kobe thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> what God. a loser. Good God. What a loser to go slap another man because he made a joke about... You don't some- understand. I'm a fan, all right? And I still love Kobe because he's one of the greatest of all time. Yeah. How dare you disrespect? I was 60 in the garden. I was there when he dropped 60 in the garden. What a man. fucking right. pussy. Back to Martin. He's the chairman of the Rappaport Group, all right? And he founded the Rappaport Diamond Report. That's, I <laughs> like that. Rappaport Diamond Report. Hey, everybody, it's time for the Rappaport, Rappaport Diamond, Diamond Report, Report Wrap Up Minute. Yeah, it sounds like a fucking, like an MLB thing. <laughs> totally. <laughs> He's been called a maverick within the diamond industry for standardizing and publishing diamond prices. Oh, okay. Now, here's the thing. I think all those He's things a agent. on Got his was, <laughs> I think all those books on his walls. Yeah, they're I like, think they're all pricing guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> That's what I was expecting. Uh, he has. He probably has. Probably has a guide for everything. A cut guide to this guy to that right. guy to fucking diamonds for dummies. Right. He's been criticized for non-transparency in his methodology, as well as his as his silence over a corruption scandal involving the GIA. Oh, great! Which so there's GIA and these G. There's just GIA. No, there's another one. GSA. Oh, that's right. <sighs> Who fucking knows? Yeah. Um, it's all fucking. He, it's which, all pipes, which he, Jerry. Which he had strong ties to. Rappaport was an early proponent of the Kimberly process, aimed at limiting the number of conflict diamonds in worldwide circulation. Now, a couple things. We're going to talk about the Kimberly process because I found it fascinating later in the show. And conflict diamonds, of course. I'm assuming he's talking about the blood diamond. Yes. Okay. <laughs> oh my god. I every just year I get myself a blood diamond. Every year he hosts the International Diamond Conference uh when he talks about various subjects. Um he got his training in Antwerp, Belgium. That's the diamond capital of the world. Antwerp? I'm pretty sure. That's um, the Germany? exchange. No, Belgium. Belgium, Belgium, country. Belgium, Belgium. Um he started brokering and polishing rough diamonds in New York in 1975 and 78's when he created the Rappaport price list. Um, and then, uh, he's a member of several nonprofits, uh, related to diamond, uh, organizations, including the jewelers for children charity fund, uh, the diamond call multiple Belgium, Belgiumese. What are they called? Belgians. Belgians. Uh 
You ever had a Belgian waffle ding dong? Belgian. I was such a fucking idiot, dude. I was <laughs> trying to bit. Belgium because I kept saying Belgium. Yeah, well, that's no, that's the name of the country. It is Belgium, but yeah. it's Belgian. But if you're if you're from Belgium, Belgian, you're yeah, Belgian. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I Shit, think. I'm fucking retarded. You're Belgian. I, I that's so. Yeah, no, that's right. Am I wrong? No, I think you're right. Okay. I just I just realized I don't. Well, know. let's go over this just because we're here. The Holland, they're the wooden people. They're the Dutch Jewish people. Yeah. Okay, they're the, the Dutch. Dutch. And then what are the Amsterdam's? Amsterdamians. <laughs> Yeah, right. Amsterdamians? <laughs> Amsterdies? Well, Amsterdies what, what, what about the Dutch? We already talked about the, the Dutch. The Dutch are okay, the Holland, so, yeah, the Netherlands. Yeah, yeah. Nether- Netherlandians? I don't know. Netherlanders. It's not, Netherlands. A, geog- it's yeah, not it's a, a geography show. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, he's also associated it's with... It's barely a documentary show, let me tell you. The Diamond <laughs> Manufacturers and Importers Association of America, the Jewelers Vigilance Committee, and following visits to Sierra Leone, in mm-hmm. the 2000, Rappaport advocated more for a Kimberly process and launched Rappaport Fairtrade. Don't look that up. I'm looking up Sierra Leone. Where I it is. can already tell you it's West Africa. Okay, where? It We're- is the largest, okay? It's the s- center of the diamond industry. Yes. Okay. I want to know, is it Nigeria? Where is it? Oh, it's a country in West Africa. It's its own country, Sierra Leone. Okay. okay. I thought it was a city in another country. Back another to state. Rappaport. Okay. <clears throat> He's remained controversial. Oh, it's near Guinea for uh, not Papua New Guinea. Just no, Gins. different different Guinea. Just the Guinea. He's, right, he's remained controversial um, for publishing the Rappaport Diamond Report in the late seventies, which has become the de facto baseline when it comes to wholesale polished polished diamonds. Now, his proponents claim his guide is the reason diamonds cost significantly less than what they did during the commodities boom of the time. Okay? Right. Now, this is important. Martin Rappaport's impact within the diamond industry is largely controversial because his commercial price guides have made manipulation of prices much more difficult for the diamond industry and are considered a step toward commoditizing diamonds. Okay. Yeah. That's meaning like we're going to trade this shit like oil or fucking energy. Oh, interesting. Okay. okay. So that's what you have to understand. Wow. So now, when was that? That uh, when he started say- with the price guides. So okay. he came out with these in the 70s. They've been around since the 70s. Okay. This is an affront to the industry. Okay. Uh, 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 interesting that it was that they uh, made that into a com- commodity around the same time that they no, took. No, he tried to make it into Oh, he a tried commodity. to. Okay. Okay. It hasn't. Okay. Okay. Just and then just around the same time that we were taking off the gold standard. Well, the concept is this: all diamonds are unique as a snowflake, so you can't just turn them into a, a commodity. Okay, right. That's why it. the diamond industry is a little pissy I get about it. I this. Because there's there's no way to really, I guess, streamline. I mean, is gold a commodity? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but it's, but gold can be purified. Twenty four carat, fourteen carat. Yeah. you have different. <clears throat> yeah, there's okay. only there's only a couple ways the, to melt it. Diamonds are all unique, according yeah. to De Beers. Yeah, and it's kind of more sales subject, pitch. A diamond is forever. Okay, yeah. gold is just kind of just gold. Yeah. Now it's no coincidence either that Rappaport. But isn't sugar? I guess sugar is also a commodity. Yeah, it's a commodity. Yes. Milk. Well, the dairy industry, yeah. The I dairy guess. industry in general. Uh huh. You okay. want another one? Copper, uranium. Copper, okay. But uh-huh. then also like, what food? What foods are considered? Wheat. Okay. Uh huh. Sugar, wheat. Mm-hmm. Dairy, and I don't think is meat considered a commodity. 
I can't right. recall. Not okay, well, remember. anyway, it's not important. Uh, anywho, um, he's also played a maverick role in issues such as conflict diamonds, which we discussed, synthetics, and diamond treatments. Okay. Now, the Rappaport... Soft commodity, it's called. A soft commodity? Yeah, the, it says that animal and animal products are classified as soft commodities. Pork belly futures. Coffee and sugar are... Hard. Hard commodities. Got it. Uh, so is this podcast, when you keep telling me shit. I don't All right, let's know. go. Let's anyway, go. no, that was great, actually. The Rappaport Diamond Corporation has been criticized for publishing wholesale price guides for diamonds whilst allegedly simultaneously trading in diamonds directly to consumers thereby possibly cutting out the wholesalers who subscribe to his own fucking report. Okay? Yeah. Now, let's talk about the commodity thing because I found this fascinating. He originally, in 82, filed out a contract proposal to the New York Mercantile Exchange to create a commodity for the diamond market. Now, that effort failed, he claimed, because the diamond industry just didn't want price transparency. Transparency. He's currently writing a new proposal and believes it will be a matter of time before the idea eventually succeeds as long as sufficient criteria of standardization are created. Rap Report says diamonds are definitely a commodity. You buy and you sell them for cash. They're a natural resource with limited supply. Well, but that's the thing. Resource is a tricky question here, right? Because what constitutes a resource? Like, like... The diamond industry is is like simply seems like it's like this auxiliary thing that like is not like gold we need for in industry and to hoard. Well, no, but I'm just saying like it's it's (laughs) it's an inflation hedge. But no, but that but also it's used in like it was used in refrigerators for years and it was used for the and it's an it's a it's one of the best one of the better conductors of Mm -hmm. electricity. And like, I but guess now silver's <clears throat> eclipsed that. Oh, has it now? Yes. I didn't even know that. Interesting. Yes. But so the, I'm just curious, like, like when they call it a resource, like it's just, is it just merely a resource for like this, um, you know, just like a retail market? I don't know. I don't know. Well, you know let, what I mean? Let's I, listen to this. I know I went fi- over. He, he finishes by saying they're a natural, uh, anyway, you know, what I natural mean, resource with limited supply. Okay. They're well-defined. They're certified, they're analyzed, graded, and tradable around the world. Well, Neil D. Reif writes that Rappaport is destroying the diamond industry with, uh, by trying to commoditize diamonds, and the price guide no longer reflects the wholesale value of diamonds as they are sold, but influences what those prices are before they go to market. Rappaport counters that diamonds are not unique as De Beers' marketing com- claims and they are subject to the same laws of supply and d- demand as anything else um yeah i mean just because i i get what he's what, what he's saying here because yes each diamond is technically you can certify each diamond as unique mm-hmm. and all that stuff just like you could certify a gold bar right as being a certain weight or whatever right however just because uh, that there are mine that there are things that can distinguish this diamond from this diamond. The fact the fact that they're both VVF sevens or whatever the fuck means they're both VVF sevens. Right, I see what you're saying. If you know you're I mean? specific to the categorization, they can be. A yeah, yeah. And once you build a categorization of like what the diamond is, and you certify it, and you do all this thing to like make it 
a more legit, then you can't go back on your own thing and say, no, they're not all the same. They're all different. No, well, if they're all different, then they would not all have the same ratings. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. They would just be sold as unique things with their unique. Well, anyway, you know dating, what I mean? I don't know if that I makes under, sense. I understand what you're saying. Well, uh, dating back to the beginning of his price guide, Rappaport has been a, a very large outspoken critic of De Beers. Good. And he believes in an effort, uh, they're, they're maintaining this long conspiracy to uh, manipulate diamond prices. Sure. Now, And that might have been true in the past. I don't know if it's still true. He recently made some comments uh, that said the diamond pipeline is stuffed like a goose and there's some indigestion. In reference to the possibility large companies might dictate prices in the future, Mr. Rappaport stated, there are powerful companies involved in diamonds and real concerns about price manipulation, but it is supply and demand that will determine price. If I think the prices on the exchange are not fair, I will walk away from this project. Mm. Well, he's also spoken to great length about diamonds as an investment, and I want you to think about that. Okay. While we're listening to this. Yeah, I, I can already tell you right now, I don't think of them as good investments. Right? It's a little scary. It's very scary. It's always been ever since I was in high school that people have talked about the diamond industry being in serious trouble. Right. Well, in 2008, he spoke to The Guardian and he cited diamonds durability even during the 2008 financial Until crisis. Until we figure out some like fucking thing where like the movie Congo, you fucking stick a diamond in a laser and a fucking... Uses makes it a super weapon. Mm -hmm. Never saw it. Michael Crichton. Really? Really? You never saw it? I didn't because I saw the monkeys in the suits and I'm like, this doesn't look real. Gorilla. Ugly. Go away. (laughs) I mean, it's, I was a child when it came out. So I've I've seen it a million times. But um, yeah, that's one of the premises of the whole story is that like there's like these ultra rare diamonds, giant diamonds in uh, somewhere in the Congo. Okay. In a temple. But it's like the, perimeter in the area are all surrounded by like these monkeys these the killer monkeys that are like gray giant apes or whatever oh. and they're just like super aggressive and uh and they prote- so, they're protecting those diamonds and like so they're like they're on a fucking skype call with the satellites they had skype but back in, in the Congo day it's not real skype released? it's not real skype it's okay real, it's just like a fucking satellite dish <laughs> okay talk you know how they used to do it back in the 90s yeah like, yeah, yeah. Sat like phone. A little sat phone yeah, the yeah. video camera that's yeah, yeah. still perfect somehow yeah. okay so they were doing uh by the uh, way so this documentary that we're doing on uh this podcast is now returned into your Congo. movie review of <laughs> michael Crichton's Congo. Congo. i love it keep yeah. going so that so so they they at the end of the movie you find out that like their reason that they want the, the diamonds are because like it powers a fucking laser super weapon that like okay so the, this the, is the where lady has ancient like a, aliens yes. got their idea to make all the crap they put out yes. which I love yes yes okay keep so going that's pretty much it that you find out you see like they have a little handheld version of the super weapon yeah of like the laser super laser or whatever okay. and it uh, and then do the monkeys the end, eat the, the people end, in the end they they fuck them up. <laughs> they fuck them up pretty good, but then the the chick, I forgot her name, uh-huh. uh, the blonde girl, uh-huh. she uh, she uh, she gets the diamond. She finds a diamond like yeah. on the floor in the temple, and they're all being because they're looking for a person, of course. They're, but they don't. They find that this person's dead. But he's okay. got the he's got the laser, and she puts the fucking she puts the fucking diamond in. She and it just fucking lasers all the gray monkeys. So the, the diamond is a laser weapon. Yeah, it's like okay. a, it like that it kills like, the monkeys. It like a, it like a, a, a focuses the energy. Okay, the laser energy. Well, how many stockings would you give Congo? Congo. 
Hey, look. It's a little different. Congo probably is worthy of a 5.5. Oh, okay. Dockings. Uh-huh. Congo would probably get a, a two docking. Okay. Probably get a two. Or so it's a, a shitty or movie. one and a five. Okay. I mean, it's, it's a bad movie. Okay. It's, but it's, um, you know, it, it, it's got some, it's got Adam Curry in it. Adam Curry? Tim Curry? Tim Curry. Adam, yeah. Adam Curry's the Adam Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Adam Curry's the, I thought you said you never saw Clue. We talked about it yesterday. Yeah, but I know who's in shit. Oh shit. That's All crazy. Right, let's get back to Diamonds All as right, an investment. Let's go. So he was basically a proponent of Diamonds as an investment. And this is during the 2008 financial crisis. He says there is so much new wealth around the globe and wives want in on the action. And if they can't get their hands on big stones, the prices are just going to go up. Okay. Okay. He, uh, as recently as 2012, he has referred to the investment market as a very good because of low prices for the stones and high rising demand out of emerging markets such as China and India. He continues to argue they are indeed a commodity against detractors who would say each stone has to be evaluated individually based on a number of different factors. Okay. Okay. Now, do you know about the European Commission? Uh, like there's, it's just called the European Commission. I'm assuming about diamonds. Okay. Okay. No, I mean, I've heard of European Commission. Well, he submits papers to them in 2002 and 2005, criticizing the European Commission's handling of investigations of collusion between De Beers and Russia's state-owned diamond cartel, Ooh. Al Rosa. Al Rosa. Al Rosa. Wow. Doesn't sound Russian. No. Yeah. Sounds a little Muslim. I would have gone with Kitikov. Russian? Yeah, and Chikintikov. Yeah, yeah. Sounds Russian more than Al Rosa, which sounds like a fucking baseball player. Anyway, he alleged the European body ignored evidence that Al Rosa was selling diamonds to De Beers at prices 8 to 20% below market value and was aiding and abetting unethical and illegal business practices. Now, we're going to speak on synthetics and Martin. Um, by the way, I had an argument with my mom. I don't know if who's right and who's wrong. Okay. Um, she's listening to me work on the dock over the weekend. Yeah. And she's like, now, you know synthetics aren't gem or aren't uh, lab grown. And I'm like, yeah, they are. And she goes, no, synthetics are cubic zirconium. And I'm like, well, they're not talking about cubic zircones. Yeah, I think cubic zones is like the old school, I guess, there's just a new name for it. I what think they consider yeah, synthetic yeah. now. Yeah, it's those, those are fake. Yeah, cube, that's how that's, cubes you can tell. That's what that's what good con men do to save ten grand when they marry a chick. They're just like, hey, cube looks a cone. Yeah, and they don't take it in and get it tested. Yeah. All right. Well, this view of diamonds carries over to the discussion of synthetic diamonds. He does not believe they will be valuable. Okay, as you know, much as diamonds from the earth, which right. we already kind of said he did. Um, he says, what if technology uses the ability to make these synthetic diamonds and no one knows this is synthetic, which we're going to speak more of later. Now, conflict diamonds, because this doc doesn't talk about conflict diamonds, and I was hoping we could get into some blood diamonds because I saw the movie. But uh, is there a difference between conflict diamonds and blood diamonds? Blood yeah, di- I conflict diamonds sh- <laughs> is just <laughs> a PC a term. PC way to say, yikes. All right, anyway. Blood he has traveled to Sierra Leone uh, since 2000, long before mainstream media, Hollywood, or the diamond industry took an interest in the Civil War there and the role that the diamonds played Hollywood in. Hollywood industry. Yeah. Um, uh, this uh, hundreds of millions of dollars of Sierra Leone 
diamonds are being traded on the world markets without any benefit going to the government uh, or people of Sierra Leone. We know that yeah. that much. Yeah. yeah. Now, remember how we were talking about, you know, the diamond triangle or whatever you want to call sure. it? Sure. Uh, uh, he, this I don't know whose quote this is, but it says the bastards are not just stealing Sierra Leone's diamonds; they're trading them for guns, guns which are used to kill people to keep the war going. The real challenge facing Sierra Leone and the world diamond trade is how to stop this horrific, murderous cycle of illegal diamond activity. So that must mm -hmm. be his quote. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna skip over the the Kimberly process because I did a whole other deep dive on that and I found it fascinating. So we'll get back to get back to that a little bit later. But regarding the International Diamond Conference, he annually addresses ethical dilemmas, which the industry of the Rappaport International Diamond Conference, where he invites non-governmental organizations such as Global Witness and Amnesty International to meet with the diamond leaders, artisanal diggers. Yep, artisanal diggers. Never heard the term. He says, under his plan, diggers in West Africa will register and be invited to bring diamonds to a public auction. And then he says, I'll pay you 5% more than the gem's market value. Uh, after independent monitors ensure that the diggers are paid about a third of the purchase price, de a development diamond label will be applied before gems are shipped to jewelers. So uh, these are rough stones. They're in development, I would assume. Uh, Rap Report, in cooperation with the U.S. Agency for International Development and Global Witness, invested 60000 of his own money to create four alluvial mining cooperatives in Sierra Leone, but ultimately sees fair trade diamonds as the solution to West African woes. Okay? Okay. So that, that you got a little bit of uh, background on the raps. Yeah. Okay. Now, little rap skis. Little rap skis. All right, let's head out to Los Angeles because we're going to meet the most fascinating person in this entire documentary. There's three okay. players. Okay. There's Martin. Mm -hmm. This Dushich, whatever <laughs> Simon. his name is, <laughs> Simon, not his real name. And then there is Aja oh. Raiden. Oh, boy. Now, she's a jewelry designer. Okay. Oh, she wants like, uh, yeah, she's a jewelry designer. First of all, we meet her, and this is a very lavish room she's in. It looks like a hotel setting. This woman oozes class. Um, She's very uh, direct. Um, She's snarky. She's funny. And she's the, the highlight of the film. She says, I just think the idea of is it real or isn't it real is so absurd. I was at a birthday party in Paris and the woman sitting next to me, she smiled and said, so what kind of jewelry do you design? And I was like, well, actually, I designed that. I designed your engagement ring. And she said, you design engagement rings? And I said, no, I designed your engagement ring. Wow. And her husband immediately asked me what all men ask. Well, how much was it? <laughs> Tell the truth. <clears throat> how much? How much should it have cost? And you know, uh, I said, "Do you want the truth? Do you want to know the truth? The truth about diamonds is they're all exactly the same, and none of them are worth anything." And Hell then, yeah. ultimately, <laughs> I was like, "Do you know what a diamond cartel is?" Oh gosh, she's a she's a. She's a jewelry designer activist. It's amazing. I fucking love, I love it. it. Only in LA, dude. Can you have this type of person? She's the best. Well, all of a sudden, the interview 
uh, the interviewer, after she says, do you know what a diamond cartel is? He says, De Beers? And she says, mm-hmm. <laughs> people want a variety of things. None of them are particularly about romance or true love. Hey, do they get into the De Beer family at all? Yeah. Well, we're going oh, there. Oh, shit. Yeah. I, don't, I, won't, I don't even know. Are they Egyptian? Uh, I don't know. Okay. But we're okay. going to get into the family. Okay. Uh, people want things because they've been told to want them. And De Beers has convinced hundreds of millions of people over almost a century so effectively that they want a diamond. Well, we see an old De Beers commercial, and they, of course they have the iconic phrase, a diamond is forever. Diamonds, think quality first. Consult your jeweler about the four C's, which we know is what? Carrot, Cocaine, cut, crack. <laughs> yeah. Ketamine. <laughs> <laughs> and the way they did this was by inventing a product. They called it an engagement ring that would hold these little white diamonds, which are the least desirable kind. But before that, nobody really wanted them. And this was just a way to get the new emerging middle class of America after World War II to buy them. Now, this is interesting to me because, you know, when you get an engagement ring, that's not the wedding ring. Um, no. Yeah. Um... So usually, I, I'm just trying to think of like what is the um, the traditions? Like you you give a wedding ring, that's the one with the diamond on it. That's the big one, the engagement ring. The engagement ring, and right. then the wedding ring is just a band. Correct. With diamonds sometimes around. Correct. It. My so, mom has just like a diamond. She used to wear both. You know. The, but yeah. I remember yeah. in the whole process, right? You know, going out and buying an engagement ring. I was like. Oh wait a minute! This is the engagement ring. Do I yeah, have to have you, like another ring? That's yeah, usually the wedding it's just like ring? a simple band with like right. small little crystals. Right, that but my concern was my my concern was. Oh wait, this this engagement ring is going to cost me eight grand. Does that mean my wedding ring is going to be like thirty grand? No, no. <laughs> oh, I see. What Do you know mean, what I mean? Right? I was yeah. for like a twenty four hour period. I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, fuck! Yeah. I went too big on the engagement ring. You're supposed to go big on the wedding ring, but I had it backwards. I wonder if there's like a thing about it being like a. Something about like the, I mean, in churches, they usually just do it. It's like a, supposed to be just like a wedding, like a regular old. Well, ring. Um, they say back in the day, the old adage was two months salary is what you should spend on. Yeah, I've heard two, three, four. I've heard all those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It depends on who you're dating, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Well, anyway. Yeah, a six month salary. <laughs> <laughs> well, and most people, from what I hear, they finance rings. Sure. Which is dumb. I guess. I mean, it's like the whole thing is dumb, right? But you're literally paying interest rates on something that doesn't isn't worth anything to begin with. But see, that's that's the thing. I mean, there is a fucking market for them. People well, want them. And again, she mostly says, football players and basketball players. She Aja says this was the way to get a new emerging middle class of post World War II America to buy them. That's crazy. So, and of course, we know that that's a booby, the baby boomer generation. Yeah, yeah. You know, still out there booming. Well, then they intersplice some um, uh, Marilyn Monroe footage, that famous footage where she's in that pink dress. Oh, I thought you were gonna say Happy Birthday. No, that's the, probably the best of Mr. all time, though. President. But she's you know dripping in diamonds. It's the one that uh, Madonna parodied. Uh, sure, you know whatever. Yeah, I, I vaguely remember. So. She continues and says, so what is a diamond? What's a stone worth? Why do people want what they want? And in this case, the answer is because they're told to. 
De Beers invented a way to sell them to people. People want the thing, the best thing, and they've convinced them that it's a diamond and nothing else. Well, let's head out to Charterhouse Street, London. Okay. There's a female reporter there, and she says, De Beers is, is the diamond business, and this building is where they control the world diamond trade. By buying up the world's most uncut diamonds, the company can regulate supply to select dealers, increasing it in good years and reducing it in bad to keep prices high. It's kind of like what the Fed does. Sure. It's, it's the Fed Fractional Reserve <laughs> Banking. Well, then we see an old documentary footage of people working in a building, and I was amazed at this. They just showed these people, and they're like in you know business suits, and they're just like scooping just piles and piles of diamonds, okay? Wow. And I'm like, what? Like, you guys are just walking around the office in shirts and ties, and just there's these big just piles of diamonds and scoops are, you know, just yeah. being tossed around. I'm like, this looks like, this looks like, you know, you're an account room. You could, like, yeah. take a few out in your pocket and not no. get seen. It no, that's not true at all. Well, this didn't Probably. look very regulated at all. <laughs> no, okay, I see. So... Uh, another male reporter answer, says, yeah. a century after it began, the diamond cartel still controls the production, the marketing, and the pricing of rough diamonds around the world. Well, we see a picture of the current diamond cartel, and who do you think the board's made up of? Who do you think the board's made up of? Yeah, the guys on the board. I don't know. It's 10 old crusty white men that okay. look like they're about to die. Sure. <laughs> okay. All in tanks. Yeah. So looks like that scene from fucking uh uh you know, the movie was eh. I thought not you were, casino, the other one, Goodfellas. Oh yeah, yeah. All the fucking All the, old the bosses. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Well, Aja says it's impossible to say factual statements about De Beers without sounding judgmental. And is again, that right? This well, is didn't they get kicked out of the U.S. Basically, you can't like they're not able to operate in the U.S. or some bullshit. I'm gonna keep telling the story. Oh, I don't okay. know the answer to that. <clears throat> okay. Well, a reporter says it's monopolistic control violates U.S. antitrust laws. Sure. But the cartel has successfully kept its executives beyond the reach of American justice. Uh, and then an unknown male says, well, until there's a major crack in the market, the cartel will survive simply because it's too powerful. And then we see the cartel. It's another black and white photo of 40 old crusty men that look <laughs> like they're about to die. So there's, you know, I think the first people we saw was just the underbosses. Yeah. And then... The people beyond De Beers yeah. are even like the higher ups. They're like the people who like run the countries. Probably. Uh, and Aja says, that's fine. Make the equipment. Because it's not about anything important. It's about diamonds. Well, Dan Rather, he's got a little cameo. He did some work for 60 Minutes. And uh, he says, De Beers executives are nervous about all this. They would not allow themselves to be interviewed by 60 Minutes. Mm. And then Aja says, then again, it's very important because it's moved capital across continents for about a hundred years. Again, why are diamonds you know attractive? Well they're valuable and they're very small. Yeah. Okay. They're able to be yeah, you're yeah. able to exchange them for money. Exactly. You remember that scene in Goodfellas where fucking Tommy, uh, Joe Pesci's character sneaking him in and he puts him in his wife's hair. 
through the oh, airport. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, then, and then she's like, that's all of them, honey. And he's like, get uh, back here. Get yeah, back yeah, yeah. here. And he like shakes her head. And another one pops out. Yeah. And he's like, oh, you thought that was all it? And slaps her on the face. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to go to Botswana. You know where that is, right? Yeah, that's near. That's West Africa also, right? I would assume it's West Africa. Yeah. We see one of these trucks. Now, these aren't just regular dump trucks. These are like the huge. Dumps like a truck. Okay. Huge, thick, like. Guys, like what? Three tires on each side, yeah. dump trucks. You know what's crazy is is like this equipment that you're talking about. Yeah. That you're used for this kind of shit. Yeah. Just imagine having how, that contract. Not that. It's like that, but like having to build that equipment, having to come up with that equipment. Like all right. these things are so specialized and personalized. Like this is the same thing, like with um, you know, like fucking Burisma, where we talk about this. Like yeah. they own the largest oil drill. Like the it's a billion dollar oil drill, and like that's why they're so that's what how they make their money. Right, they've got a giant drill. It's like just to make that thing. Yeah, fucking costs hundreds of millions of dollars. I would assume these companies design are like it. Cat, Komatsu, but they you know. they are, but like they don't <clears throat> like this, a lot of this equipment. It's like custom made. Shit. Right, right. Well, as you asked, when are the De Beers people going to show up? Time to meet. Here Steven, I am, Stephen. Lucier of De Beers. Okay, Stephen Stephen Lucier. Now, normal looking guy, probably late sixties, white guy, and he says history has always been part of the diamond world. The generation that preceded me within De Beers, who would have you know locked the front door and not let anybody in, you know, and then the interview says this interview would have never happened, and he's like, no. <laughs> De Beers. Oh, was, I guess they're they're British. Oh yeah, the De Beers company. Like they're the, the yeah they're in London. The, I said the that. De Beer people. I know that they they are in London, but that's because London is a free market society. It doesn't mean that they're you know. But yeah, I guess. Well, here's what you need to know. They're British. He they're says, Brits. yeah, you're not going to get this interview if it was the old days. De Beers was controlled by the Oppenheimers. Ah, we're starting to get the control Since here. the 20s. Wow. But they're all gone. One of the families. And I'm still here, so I carry on the mission. This is fun. Now, I know. Now, again, we see another black and white picture of the Oppenheimers, and there's like 15 old crusty men. Yes, crusty <laughs> white dudes. Yeah. So the interviewer says, because you married into the family, right? And he says, yeah, you know, it helps to get lucky in life. Um, there must have been something ordained in a way that I ended up here. Some say... Wait, he sounds like a fucking New Yorker? He, he was actually from Connecticut. He says, what's your job then, Stephen? Oh, well, you know, in many ways, my job is to inspire. Uh, I guess each generation with this extraordinary story of the diamond... People don't know uh, a diamond is like 3 billion years old, older than life... Some of them older than stars in the sky. You can't make that. Yeah, we can synthesize carbon, but in reality, we can't make what a diamond is. We can't make something which is a billion years old that connects us to the formation of the world. We can't make something where everyone is inherently unique, and we can't make something that has an intrinsic rarity and preciousness to it. And the one thing that worried us a lot about lab-grown diamonds is if they were marketed in a way that pretended that they had the values of a real diamond. Okay. Now, right. 
Next, we see their office in Botswana, and there's a bunch of lemur monkeys dancing around out front, which I thought was a cool shot. Okay. You know me and cool. lemur monkeys. You like the lemurs? Didn't I tell you my lemur monkey story with Kirstie Alley? No. I never told you that story? You had jerked off by a monkey? <laughs> <laughs> with Christy Alley watching? No, so I could have sworn, but the listeners are going to hate me. They're like, he just told the lemur monkey story like no, a week ago. No, I don't remember ago. hearing it. So in, in the early 2000s. But I don't remember a whole lot. So I mean, In the early 2000s, I had a job. <clears throat> okay. And I was, uh, um, I, I worked for this company that sold gym equipment. And okay. then I quit. Okay. And they would still give me the leads to move gym equipment. Okay. And I got a call and they were like, eh, I'm Christy Alley's assistant. I need this treadmill moved. Okay. And I was like, okay, no problem. I'm like, what is it? I figure out what it is. And I'm like, yeah, it's 400 bucks if it's just room to room. And I go, stairs are extra, of course. And they were like, oh, yeah, yeah. It's just, we're just moving from one room to the other. Yeah. So I get there. Bucks, I yeah. So I get there with my buddy. And um, have you ever seen Sunset Boulevard? No. Okay. Well, the story in Sunset Boulevard is a young writer meets a famous old actress and he shows up at her house. Okay. And she's got like a stuffed monkey there. And it's like dirty. It, it, I felt I was walking into the mansion of Sunset Boulevard, right? Because it was an old mansion from the 20s, but it had slip covers on all the furniture. Like nobody been there for years. And I'm like, this is creepy. And I go, and there was a pool outside. This is in Los Feliz. It would have been untouched. And it was just like this decrepit old mansion. Okay. And I go, where's, uh, you know, wh where's the treadmill? They're like, oh, it's right here. Um, you're just going to move it up there. And I go, up where? And they point up to the top of the building because it's like six stories. Oh, shit. And the top is this just round room. Wow. And I go. I think I vaguely remember the story. Yeah. Here, so I'm yeah. like, so I'm like, well, it's not 400 anymore. Yeah. And I'm like, she's like, well, don't worry. We'll just pay you extra. So I had to get another guy. Yeah. And then I can't, I remember counting the steps. It was like 180 steps or something obscene. Yeah. And it took me like four hours. No shit. Yep. Because we had to go step by step. And when we, so we got to the top of the circular room, all these paintings were around like Baroque and like Renaissance paintings and the, all everything was green. Wow. The carpet was green. The walls were green. Wow. It was just weird. But on every step up I'd get to, there would be a cage of lemur monkeys, okay? Whoa. And lemur monkeys are illegal to own, as far as I know. Oh, are they? But I would turn a corner and be like, this is getting weirder and weirder, man. That's crazy. We got the creepy old mansion. Then we got lemur monkeys at every turn. Whoa. And then I finally get to the top, and it's just a tiny round room. And that yeah. was the day when I pulled out. I first pulled my back, and I was... I've had the problem ever since. Uh, so I'll never forget the day my back got destroyed at Kirstie Alley's Lemur uh, Monkey Mansion. Slut. Anyway, so uh, Stephen continues and he says, we're in the period of... <laughs> I was end up charging. <laughs> a lot. Like 1200 bucks. Oh, something like that. Yeah. But yeah, it was a mess. Yeah. Anyway, and this is probably like 2003. It was like 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, we're in the period of misinformation, Lucier continues. He says, well, confusion. People aren't quite sure what is or what isn't, but it's only an existential threat if, if we somehow damage the relationship that consumers have with what a diamond really is. Well, the interviewer says, so I'm curious about the idea of the undetectable synthetic, you know, techniques. 
And Stephen says, you know, there are some ways to make it more difficult for existing technology, but it doesn't mean that there aren't solutions. We have a responsibility to detect them. The question becomes, what type of technology do you need to do so? Detection, I'm not fussed about, but I know what De Beers can do. Well, we see another massive dump truck, massive, and it's just dumping its rocky contents onto a platform. Presumably, they're going to sift through it to find like a diamond, a needle in a haystack or something. Okay. But it gives you an idea of the scale of this operation in Botswana. Well, time to head to Salt Lake City, and we're going to meet a man named John Janik of a company he owns called Extropy Lab Grown Diamonds. Mm -hmm. And we see him hard at work, very stainless steel type setting of a room. Okay. He's got ratchets and sockets, and he's doing his thing. And John says, do you perceive aluminum uh, as being a valuable material? And the interviewer says, personally? And he says, yeah, personally. And he goes, aluminum? Yeah, aluminum. And he's like, no, of course not. And he goes, well, did you know that there's an aluminum uh, cat casing obelisk on top of the Washington Monument? Okay. Because at the time, aluminum, uh, when it was built, that was the most expensive material available. It was really hard to put together. You know, it was like a feat if they had done this. And then like a couple of years later, somebody came out with a process to mass produce aluminum and now it's dirt cheap. Yeah. So what once was, you know, really coveted and valuable is just a commodity that now we throw away. Right. You know, diamonds going to be the same. Yep. So already starting to turn that way. I was a little curious about this because, you know, of course, that the Washington Monument is all about um, Illuminati stuff. And sure. uh, what is that? The, the Freemasons and all that yeah. shit. Oh, yeah. So I wanted to see what was on top of that thing. And... <laughs> On December 6, 1884, the aluminum capstone was placed, bringing an end to the 36-year construction of the 555-foot obelisk. Inscribed on the capstone is the Latin phrase, Leos Deo, meaning praise be to God. So that's what it says on the top of that damn thing, and I didn't know that. Yep. So... um. We learned that John Janik... You sure like God over there he's in a, Washington. He's a Carnegie Fellow from the Carnegie Institute. And um, John says, uh, or excuse me, he, we see him, he's getting interviewed by this woman, and she brings him on TV, and she said, and actually, you like to call them cultured diamonds. You took them to the Diamond District, the real one, not too far from here, and they couldn't tell the difference? And he says, nope, not one bit. Not a bit. And they appraise him for basically what natural diamonds would go for. And he's like, yeah, that's right. Wholesale prices. Well, we learn, he says, my PhD was in making crystals of different materials. I'd make rubies, which is aluminum oxide with, with a little bit of chromium in it. I made exotic uranium compounds. I made these materials, and then I went and studied their properties. Crystal is just a repeating format or repeating structure of atoms. So if you have a carbon and a carbon and a carbon in a repeating pattern, that's a diamond crystal. Yeah, cool. So back to the interview, he's like, we can actually make diamonds that are more perfect than natural diamonds, and we can grow them at a carat per day. And the reporter's like, well, that'll be cheaper, uh, though. That's the whole point. And John's like, you can't tell the difference. 
Well, so if you can't tell the difference, John, then this invariably has to hurt the diamond market out there. Um, and then he's like, you mean these things have value? I had no idea. So back to Martin. <laughs> you got to understand the sale of synthetic diamonds is diamond engagement rings is a fundamental violation of the ethics of the diamond industry, in my opinion. But is it just about the money? Because, you know, that's you're hurting people where it counts. You're kicking them in their emotional I love you commitment spot. This is terrible, terrible, terrible. I mean, come on. If I want to rip you off, fine. Rip me off. Why rip me off with what I gave my wife? There's a story of a guy who was selling treated diamonds. It's called the Huda treatment. But he charged everyone a lot less. But when the woman found out that their diamonds were treated, there was a line around the block and around the block and around the block to try and return the diamonds. What does treating mean? I, I guess <clears throat> just polishing them, making them look better than they were. Huh. The woman, they felt so cheated and so angry. And this guy, he gave everybody the money until he had no money. Then he drank jewelry cleaner and killed himself. Oh, and he didn't steal. He didn't rip them off. Theoretically, it wasn't about the money. It was the failure to disclose it. Look, I don't know what's going to happen, right? But in 10 years from now, there's an extremely great likelihood that people are going to look back and say, that diamond industry, they sold that stuff. And it wasn't worth the price I paid at all. What did they do to me? And how is this woman going to feel if she projects the value of the diamond onto herself subconsciously? How is she going to feel about her diamond? <clears throat> so you see the mind fuckery that this guy's pulling here, right? Right. This is, this is pretty intense. He's, yeah. It's, he's basically like, I'm kind of confused. It's like, who's ripping off who here? Because he perpetuates this idea that diamonds are rare and valuable, Okay. And he gets upset that they can be so easily made in labs for a lot less. So wouldn't the woman be pissed at him for the lie about natural diamonds and their inherent value in the first place? Yeah, I mean, look, <clears throat> you get, uh, <laughs> uh, if uh, there's, I, I, I mean, there's, I don't really know what to say about this other than if you really think that it's cool to have Something I I don't know if I necessarily believe it takes billions of years to make a diamond. Oh, it does. It takes billions of yeah. years. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. The, let's keep in mind the Earth is four point three billion years old. Sure. Unless we're uh, creationists, then it's ten thousand years old. Sure. But it yeah, time and pressure. Right, whatever so, creates the diamonds, so, and it's not an overnight process. It's not a million process. It's right. not a multi-million year process. It's a billion. Got it. So I mean, at that standard, if you think it's something that you enjoy. Or like, there will probably be a way to tell eventually. They'll probably be able to tell eventually. I don't know if that's... You're on the right track. Yeah. I don't know if they can now or not, but they will eventually. You're on the right track. Okay. So back to... Or they to force them like, to do what that guy said. Like They got to write their name on every single diamond. Or it's, it's like fucking... Back to Aja. Yeah. Let's say someone Let's sees take my for your firstborn. <laughs> and says, is that real? <laughs> Am I going to say yes or no? No woman who thought she could get away with it 
has ever, ever said, no, it's fake. Well, where does all this go then? Are you still getting a diamond? Okay, but is a diamond a diamond? What do you mean? I mean, synthetic diamonds have leaked into the natural diamond market. And the interviewer's like, really? He's like, they're saying 1%, maybe in the form of melee. Now, do you know what melee is? No. Melee means the teeny, teeny, tiny diamonds that are sold in parcels. Yeah. This is when all, you see all these weirdos with that fucking white paper thing. <laughs> you know, yeah, because always... those are like those are not worth shit. Those chaps, those little <laughs> those little tiny diamonds that they use for a bunch of sh- yeah, it's not worth. They're not worth shit. Well, Oz just says it's more like twenty percent, and nobody's even saying what percent of larger stones are lab grown. Wow. So the interview is like, well, that would sound like the ultimate collapse. Well, Aja says, but for the diamond, not for the synthetic diamond. The diamond was never real either. The diamond was always a lie. So the synthetic diamond is just a lie about a lie, which I happen to think is hilarious and sort of delightful. I mean, yeah, like what? I guess they just started using diamonds because of royalty. Well, that's coming up. Okay. Our crack research department got yeah. me some great info yeah, on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So. It's just tradition. So. I, her point is, you've got this new lab shit that doesn't mean she isn't worth shit either, because you also have a diamond market that doesn't isn't worth shit either, because it's been manipulated, because people they have perceived rarity. Meanwhile, De Beers is sitting in a building where people are freely able to walk around, <laughs> where they're just everywhere. Yeah. Okay. They're not in cases. They're in piles, bro. Sure. No, I get it. And they're just manipulating the market. Yeah. yeah and yeah. and not letting them out in large quantities so right. they can make a killing on them. Yeah. 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 So she continues and says, and one could argue that synthetic diamonds, if what you're looking for is really colorless, flawless no nitrogen, no nothing, they can be made like nature intended, but never quite managed. Now, because mm. you got to remember this. I learned this when I was diamond shopping. All diamonds have flaws. Sure. Okay. Now, they say flawless. Yeah. There's still shit in them. Sure. So, and they could be those little, like, you look under them, and I was like, this one's got this many imperfections, and it's got... Yeah, yeah, yeah. VVF. Yeah, yeah. V- All that v- shit. Yes, whatever the Well, let's is. check on Dusan, Simich, or Simon, as we call Simon. him. Simon. Our gemologist. <sighs> Who is going to buy a ring and go to lab immediately check what's inside? Who's doing this? Nobody. This is perfect crime. So few people have interest to understand what is inside of stone on an atomic level. I care about what is true on this level, pure gemology. When I started trying to solve the problem of identification, it was 2012, and our idea was to check every stone. Every stone. I started to publish what I found, that the stones are mixed already. Well, we see an article from 2013 titled... What does that mean? The stones are... They were already mixed into the market. So he's starting to do this fucking, you know, study. Oh, the fakes are already mixed into the market. They've already been mixed in the market. Oh, for how long, I wonder? Well, at least since 2013 when he published this material. When, when did, they, did they ever talk about when the first synthetic diamond of this nature was made? No. Okay. No. But just, it seemed like... 
that machine might have been one of the older ones. That one. That, well, like, I mean, pressed it. he was he was doing this in the early or the mid 2010s. Okay. So we know so it's still been a while. Relatively, yeah. Still relatively new, though. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, 13 years isn't 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 uh, long enough I to break say, a tradition like that. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll eventually, though. <laughs> we're getting there. Yeah. So anyway, so he says. I found that the stones were mixed. Well, the interviewer says, well, synthetics and natural stones? And he says, yeah, yeah. Undisclosed synthetic stones mixed with natural. I, I bet you the beers is behind all this too. You know? Is that where you think it's gone? Yeah, 100%. Dude. This is really a problem, you know? But then the beers published a press release where they checked thousands of stones and they did not find one synthetic stone. Two, three months before Bullshit. this. We publish, we found like 5% stone mixed. Well, what was the feeling? from? How, how, how do they talk about how they find out? I yeah. thought they said they couldn't find out. No, no, no. This guy, does, did yeah, Simon? Yeah, he knows. Dude, they show his house. Yeah. Okay. It's kind of weird. It's a small apartment, but he stands in this one spot and you can see all of his DVDs on the left side. Okay. It's just like it's random, like, like fucking. Police Academy 4. Yeah, you know, Romeo and Michelle's fucking <laughs> wedding yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, and then, about and you. then in the middle of it, there's like this machine that you stand and you look down on. And then the right, it's like Christmas vacations over here and some other shit. <laughs> so, but that's New York. It's crap, bro. You know, but he's got his machines that he uses and he can do all this stuff. Wow. Okay. So, anyway. Um, the interviewer says, well, what was the feeling from people within the industry? They would say, if the beer says in the thousands <laughs> of the stones, we did not find one stone, then synthetics is not a problem. Like, it doesn't matter. The beer's intention, synthetic stones, they do not exist. But then we know how much dealers are selling. They're selling lots. So where are the stones? Well, let's go to China and find out, Dave. Dusan travels to China and he says, next year in spring will be 30 years when I decided to be gemologist. I left Serbia during war. It was really heavy time, the bombing. And then I started to work as gemologist in New York. No one will say I'm mixing and I'm selling. Of course not. And no one told me this, but they're saying everybody are mixing if they can get stones from China. Now, we see him traveling through China via train, and then he enters an industrial facility. Now, when I say industrial, think dirty metal, okay? Yeah. Not clean room, all right? Then we see an abandoned warehouse from the outside. It's full of scrap metal, trash, exposed bays. You see these cranes. Guys are with jackhammers. You see molten materials in these big holders being poured and dropped into cooling baths. Um, and then there is a section that has more sophisticated machinery. Well, we see more of these machines that I told you about in the beginning Yeah, that have that like T shape. And we see a tiny little box, you know, that these things go inside. And Dusan says, they call this industrial diamond production. These diamonds are for industrial cutting, not related to jewelry. Remember when you were asking me about that? Yeah. That's uh, what they said. Okay. okay. Uh -huh. We would like to see diamonds, they are white, this size. 
Now, he's talking to an employee at the factory and showing him what looks like a metal stamp about the size of a nickel. It's not very big. And it's got 15 indentations in it, which represent little diamonds that have come from that little cube that was sitting in the machine. Okay. We have very, very interesting... So what do they, they use that for, like, diamond cutters and shit? That's what they diamond say. Diamond cutting? Cutting. Interesting. We have very, very... So I guess it's, like, I wonder if it's, like, used for, like, water blasting and stuff like that, maybe? I think it's used... Water jet? I think it's used to dump the supply into the real supply. Oh, I, I, I believe that, yeah. definitely, but... <laughs> We have very, very interesting production yeah. with the white diamonds. They're in size that could be polished for jewelry. At the beginning, the quality was uh, problematic. But right now, if they want to use for gems, it's very possible. Once a stone is polished, it's really very, very difficult to identify. Well, then we go inside to the clean part of the building and there is an assembly line of these lab-grown diamonds filtering through the factory. Like, they're coming down conveyor belts. Do you know what I mean? Sick. They're everywhere. Who's buying these stones? Where they are selling these stones? Well, a Chinese factory worker says right now our objective is to sell uh -huh. most of our product to India. Uh-huh. Is it possible to tell us amount of stones sold to India? And then India filters it, and they certify it, and they fucking, oh, God. Chinese factory worker <clears throat> says 1 million carats through 2017. So that's a million diamonds right there that they're cranking out out of this little lab that was for industrial cutting purposes. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. One million carats of diamonds are sold to these three or four customers in India? That's right. Our presses are ready to go at any time. Wow. This is huge potential. Well, <laughs> I thought I saw a lot of diamonds in the other two labs. We it's see, not illegal. No. We see buckets upon buckets of these diamonds that are done. That are, these aren't just rough diamonds. They're polished. There's so many of them that at the end of the day, the janitor's sweeping them up off the floor. Okay, yeah, 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 because yeah. people have dropped them yeah. throughout the day. Yeah. All right. And then we see more of how the process works. And this factory is massive, man. Sure. It's like it's like a James Bond villain's fucking den. Yeah. It's just there's so many people. There's so many of these little pods of these machines, which are the size of a VW bus. Or we're talking bug. China. Yeah, they're in China. Oh. And just rows and rows of these little fucking diamond lab grower machines. It's all sponsored by the government, too. Yeah, but who's? No, I'm saying the Chinese government. Yeah, in conjunction with who? <laughs> fucking the De Beers people. Yeah, or maybe ours. Well, yeah, I mean, I believe that, too. Shit. Well, back It's all a racket, dude. Of course. Martin says, look, we don't really sell diamonds. We sell the idea behind the diamonds. And what's going on with these synthetic guys is they're like parasites no. getting under our skin. Uh, uh -huh. And they're trying, parasites, huh? they're trying to steal the diamond dream. Oh, right. That's what they're really trying to do. Oh, these fucking this guy. They're trying to steal the diamond dream. But if they steal the diamond dream, if they burn the All diamonds these people down lose money. to the yeah. core... If they destroy the basic customer base for buying diamonds as the ultimate symbol of committed love, now they've destroyed the whole idea. Of and love. that's the challenge 
that we face in the diamond industry. That is the craziest <laughs> extrapolation to make. That like once the diamond is gone and no longer a representative or symbol of love, that means love is dead. Go fuck yourself, dude. Wow. What the gall of this guy? It's pretty pretty disgusting. Yeah. Jeez. Well, then he's like, the interviewer says, well, what's the diamond dream? What's the diamond what? The diamond dream. Oh, yeah. What's the diamond dream? Well, Martin's always got an answer for uh, everything. You know, the diamond dream. A young girl. Okay. Okay. Thinks, pretty, thinks pretty, about life. Pretty Jewish, bro. Big tits. <laughs> she walks in. Thinks about life and a future and what's going to happen to her. If she imagines one day... She'll fall in love and she'll get married. And that person will give her a diamond. <laughs> That's the fucking thing, huh? And so the diamond dream is about what will life bring me? Uh. What greatness? What happiness? What's going to happen to me? As a 10-year-old girl, even. Jesus Christ. Homeboy's basically, What's going on here? Homeboy's basically saying that this girl's life goals... And everything in her <laughs> yeah. life solely revolve around Cook clean diamond receiving a diamond ring from a man. <laughs> That's <Okay>. fucking gross, dude. <laughs> the only thing, what a pig. The only dream, <laughs> the only dream she should care about regarding her future <laughs> is whether or not someone will find her worthy enough to, to give her, her a, a diamond ring. Diamond. Okay. Blood diamond. Yep. I wanted a blood diamond. Yep. And uh, you know, there's you know all girls. Behind closed doors, or like, I want the fucking blood diamond. Of course they do. I, want the f I don't want the fake fucking diamond. I want yeah. the real fucking diamond, like my mother. I want the one that represents Nigerian tears yeah. from. Um, I want it no, made no, no, from no. Nigerian <laughs> right. tears from uh, genocide. <laughs> yes. Okay. Rwandan genocidal blood diamonds. Exactly. I want the diamond that fucking Jared Leto died over in Art of whatever it's called, uh, Art of War. Art of War. Or what is Lord, it of Lord of War. Yeah. Lord of War. Great movie, by the way. Great fucking movie. When he yeah. when he, he makes the he makes the the outline of Ukraine. Oh yeah, cocaine yeah. And yeah. That's the your border. fantasy. Yeah, what do you want to do tonight? I want to snort Ukraine. <laughs> no. no, really. No, Just the borders. Do, I don't mean the whole thing. <laughs> I'm gonna snort Armenia. I'm gonna do an Armenian. <laughs> do that once for Armenia. All right. Do it once for the motherland. Back to Martin. The Diamond Dream is about relationship. The human condition is about relationships. We don't want to die alone. Okay, okay. All right. <laughs> so I'm like, at this point, Martin, you fucking grasp it at straws. Maybe you don't want to die alone, but I'm planning on dying alone. Yes. Okay. There's a reason I don't have children. Yes. There's a reason uh, I'm not cats. married. Yes. Okay. Don't put us all in the same fucking box. You'd buy your, if you had a million, a couple million in the bank, a uh -huh. few million in the bank. Mm hmm. You'd buy your cats like a diamond something. Fuck the, yeah, I would. Like a diamond even though they don't worth they ain't worth shit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, all right. Let's get back to the beers guy. <clears throat> Is there an or origin to the idea of the diamond dream? Well, the beers guy says, I think the diamond. You know, the words uh, a diamond dream um, were probably something that I just thought up. Okay. But actually, it existed long before De Beers. You know, it goes well back to the Duke of Burgundy. Apparently, according to legend, who gave the first diamond betrothal ring? That's the Duke of Burgundy. Apparently, he did this. No marketer told him to do so. And the core reason he did it is true today, as it was then, 
which is that he was seeking to send this symbol to his future wife that she was precious to him and that this moment they were making was something precious. Now, time for me to call bullshit because our crack research department has the real story, Dave. Yeah, tell us. He wasn't the Duke of Burgundy. He was Archduke Maximilian of Austria. Now, here's my point. If you're going to sell this bullshit dream, at least make your lie not easy for our research team to fucking Google, okay? Does Austria still have royalty? No, this is back in the day. They might. I don't know. Anyway, he was the Archduke Maximilian of Austria, and he would later became Holy Roman Emperor. Well, he married Mary of Burgundy, who was a duchess in her own right, and Maximilian expanded the influence of the House of Habsburg through war. Oh, great. And That's his, where the Habsburg jaw comes from. No, you're thinking of the Habsburg lip, which is an indifferent thing. There's Habsburgs and there's Habsburgs. Habsburgs. Yeah, Habsburgs. Is has, the jaw. No, they got to the lip that hangs out like this. It's a big, it looks like a big lip. It's like, no. it's very pronounced. I think the jaw, the thing, it's like they're it's inbred. Habs, yeah, probably. Inbred. It's, it's, hey, and if I find that sexy, call me Habsburg a Habsburg jaw, they call it. It's called the Habsburg lip as well. Okay. All right, anyway. So anyway, he shacks up in 1477 to marry a Burgundy. Now, she at the time is the ruler of Ron the Burgundy. Burgundian state, God. which is the heiress of Charles the Bold. Oh. Though he also lost his family's original lands in today's Switzerland to the Swiss Confederacy. Now, through the marriage of his son, Philip the Handsome, that sounds kind of stupid. What are these fuck- <laughs> something the bull, something the handsome, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Maybe they just didn't have good adjectives back then. Yeah, they didn't. They just... Uh, anyway, it's six words. You got Philip the Handsome um, married uh, his eventual uh, queen Joanna of Food, Castile. Sex, war. <laughs> yeah, and turkey legs. <laughs> More turkey legs. Clean. Yeah, and STDs. Yeah. I don't know. Do they have STDs I mean, they back then? Ha- I think they had um, like syphilis and shit like that for sure. Yeah, but even then, it was probably looked on as like a status symbol. No, I don't you think You don't think so? I don't think the Herbs McGurps. <laughs> He's fucking status symboling anybody. Now I think I think that if you're a king and you got some herbs McGurps, yeah, then like you still get some fucking Danish broad to suck on it. Right. But, but back then they just used a cottering iron. <clears throat> Ooh. And then they just I think they just holes in your yeah. side of your stomach. Yeah. Anyway. Oh boy. Maximilian helped establish the Habsburg dynasty in Spain, which allowed his grandson Charles to hold the thrones of both Castile and Aragon. Well, back to Aja. Aja. Aja, who I love. She says, no. Now, keep in mind, she's responding to Stephen about the marketing and the storytelling. And she says, no, because diamond cutting had just been perfected in Bruges. And he wanted Bruges as part of a multinational land deal that involved marrying Mary of Burgundy. God, I wish people in history were named something other than Mary. (laughs) And I would assume he knows that, maybe, but no, it wasn't because it was a precious object. It was a token for sure, and he didn't give it to her. He gave it to her father. Now, back to our research. Aja is more correct than Stephen, but Maximilian didn't give her father the ring. 
And just keep in mind, this is research. Okay. Yeah, this isn't part of the documentary. No, he couldn't he have. Caught him on the fucking couple lies over here. Yes. And he couldn't have since Charles the Bull died in January of 1477. Oh, God. Now, as the only child of Charles the Bold, Duke of Burgundy and his wife, Isabella of oh, Bourbon. Are you saying the Bold or Bull? Bold. Bold. Oh, oh my God. You got bad. Philip the Handsome and you got this guy, the Bold. Bold. Okay. They say Bull. Okay. Like Jimmy the Bull. <laughs> All right. As the only child of Charles the Bold, Duke of Burgundy, and his wife, Isabella of Bourbon, Mary inherited the Burgundian uh, lands. <laughs> you like saying that word, Burgundian. Bur Maybe it's Burgundian. No, Burgundian. Burg no, Burgundian sounds about right. Burgundian lands Burgundian. at the age of 19 upon her death of her father in the Battle of Nancy. Oh no! Fuck! January fourteen seventy seven. We're going down at the Battle of Nancy. Everybody <laughs> better be prepared. Okay, this is a serious oh, fight we've shit. got. Yeah. Bring your, bring your, bring your fences. Nancy. Yeah, bring your. <laughs> okay, bring your swords. Everybody, hold your arm behind your your bring back. Your, yeah. <laughs> okay, because we're right. fencing at Nancy <laughs> at five o'clock. Left foot red. <laughs> okay. Right hand yellow. In order to counter the appetite <laughs> of the French king of Louis XI. It must have been French. Wait, for, so wait, where, wait, what's up real quick? Yeah. Where did the Battle of Nancy. Where was it? Where was it? Is that in France? Yeah, it's Burgundy. Okay, so Burgundy's in France? Okay. Yeah, it's where they make all the good wine. Ah. Burgundy's. Burgundy's nuts. <laughs> These nuts on your chin, stupid. We're <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. Say it again. Oh, Say it again. Burgundy's nuts. Burgundy's nuts. <laughs> so stupid. We're gonna get another oh, review we, where they're like, these guys are sexist okay, pigs. Yeah. They're losers. Because they say one of them slid in a 15th century joke about burgundy and dropped these nuts into it. Oh, okay. Oh, God. All I right. love my job. Let me get back. Okay. I was going to say, I love my job. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I hate my job, actually. All right. I'm going to get through this. Yes, all right. Yes, yes. Mary inherited the Burgundian lands, don't say it again, at the age of 19 upon the death of... <laughs> you can say it no, no. I was just... I wish we were on camera. Okay. <laughs> uh, upon the death of her father in the Battle of Nancy on 5 January 1477. Now, in order to counter the appetite of the French king, Louis XI, for her lands, she married Maximilian of Austria, with whom she had two kids. Due to the great wealth and importance of this marriage, the betrothal with the diamond engagement ring at the Imperial Court of Vienna in 1477 was documented in writing and painting as was wow. a lavish wedding. That's how you know some fucking... Imagine, dude, imagine getting getting your... The first wedding ring of all time? No, no, no. no. Well, I mean, that's cool, too. But, like, imagine getting your fucking... You're in get like the ceremony painted. Uh huh. That's yeah. fucking OG. That's royalty, G, bro. Royalty. That's yeah. fucking OG. Imagine getting these Burgundy's nuts painted. <laughs> <laughs> all, okay. right. all right. All right. All right. <laughs> anyway, so that went down in 1477 of uh, August 16th in Ghent. By the way, Ghent, Ghent, one of my favorite cities I've ever visited. Oh, is it spelled G H E N T? Yeah. Ghent. Ghent. 
Yeah, I mean that's how we would pronounce it. Yeah, I did. I did comedy there in the Flemish. Let really? me tell you something about the Flemish. You did a comedy in Flint in, yeah. in, in Ghent. In Ghent. <laughs> in Ghent, yeah. Some of the best audiences I've ever performed. But for. do they know what you're saying? Oh yeah, they all speak English. They don't speak English. No, they, they all, all speak they English. They all speak English. Yeah, yeah. They like. Do they, they like the gay they'll, F word? They'll sit. I don't know if Flemish is a language. I can't remember. But I remember when I was over there, there was some big like civil war deal with they were all in pol politics for, and they all could carry on English conversations. They're great people. Now, but it's spelled F L E M M. It's not P H L E G. I wasn't fucking asking. Flem. No. Like the anyway. word, the word phlegm. It's a it's spelled very. Oh, it's not P H L E G M. Yeah. No, whatever. it's Flemish. F L E M I S H. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, one more note, an unromantic note. The idea of giving a diamond engagement ring did not occur to the giver, Maximilian of Austria, but to his council. The marriage kept large parts of the Burgundian lands from disintegration, but also changed the dynasty from Valois to Habsburg, the Duchy. Of Burgundy? Is it duchy or douchey? Um, duchess? It just says douchey. How do you spell it? D-U-C-H-Y? I think it's... Duchy? Duchy. <laughs> Duchy. Anyway, the duchy of Burgundy itself soon became a French possession. This was a turning point in European politics leading to a French Habsburg rivalry that would endure for centuries. Long after Mary's death, her husband became Holy Roman Emperor. Their son became wow. King Philip of Castile, and their daughter Margaret became Duchess of Savoy. So there you have the true wow. origination of the first engagement ring, which is pretty crazy that it only goes back to 1477. No, I mean, it's, it's quite a time, quite yeah. a time. Yeah. Now, Dave, why did I go into that in depth? Uh, because we care about history yes. around here. And I'm and not going like to give to torture me. And I'm not going to give Audra shit because no. she was very spot on and she is the star of the show and she's super funny. But yes. the interviewer says, "So what's the point of all this?" And she says, "Well, the point being is that the story is bunk or it's what you make out of it. It's kind of like a diamond. It's an ugly rock that if you cut enough reflective windows into it, it looks like something else." Well, let's go to Christie's. Damn. We've talked about Christie's numerous times on the show. The 92 carat D color flawless heart shaped diamond and pearl. The largest D color flawless heart to be offered for sale is an auction. Oh, God. It's <laughs> Christie Sotheby's. They're two different. Yeah, they're two different ones. Uh, like those large diamonds, those fabulous diamonds, they act like it's a once in a lifetime oh. uh, find that you see Sotheby's or Christie's selling. It's the largest D flawless diamond to ever come to market. It's the largest emerald cut ever offered at <laughs> <an> auction. <laughs> this fucking guy. Well, the truth is there are a lot of diamonds waiting for the company to have a good reason to have a miraculous find. And then someone, let's say someone with a skill set very much like mine, this is Aja, would be hired under non-disclosure terms to spin some sort of fantasy about how this diamond was found. Uh, then we see an inner splice section here of various pitches from these companies with Aja coming in and kind of like punching the joke. The story that I'm about to tell you surpasses all of those that nourish my memory. Never shall I forget the miracle of the Queen of Kalahari. 
Aja. It has to be the right name and the right story. They have origin stories like superheroes. In the clouded mountains of Africa, an incredible treasure was discovered. It was an abandoned section of the mine, and it was just about to be closed down at dawn. A miner found something glistening, and with a penknife, <laughs> he picked it out. This is like your fucking Garth impression. <laughs> no, this is the movie guy voice. I know, I know. We so. weren't sure what it was, and he took it to the surface manager, <laughs> oh, who looked at this great big lump and threw it out the window, saying, it's a piece of rock crystal. And then... As we were taking one last look in the setting sun, we saw something glinting, and the miner retrieved it, and they looked at it again and realized that it was a 3,106-carat rough diamond. Jesus. Lo and behold, it's the giant, beautiful diamond that will then be marketed with, you know, Visits of a sunset was something that makes me think of Africa, as though Africa isn't a gigantic continent comprised of dozens of countries, most of which have nothing to do with diamonds. But the truth is it got pulled out of a bulldozer in a pile of dirt and waste, and that's how it was discovered. So like every origin story, it's been embroidered. Hmm. Let's go back to our man, John Janik, back in Salt Lake City. Okay. Man owns his own lab diamond joint. <coughs> the whole concept of romantic love is actually a fairly new concept that's probably lasts less than 150 years old, let alone giving these expensive gifts as a token of that love. That's even newer. That's 100 years old. The interviewer's like, John, this is your business. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. So don't fuck yourself up here, all right? But I mean, damn, if you think about it like that, yeah, it's like, it's the fucking, it's the, the you know, depression age that time. Um, you, after that is when you see the emergence of like this, like uh, the Hallmark Society, yeah. like the Hallmark holidays and all that shit. Yep. That's when, uh, Probably they invented Valentine's Day. I think that was later, though. I, I think that was like in the 30s or 40s. It's all kind of. They had to move a lot of chocolate, and they were basically <laughs> just like, buddy. Is that right? Ch you didn't know about this? Hall no Hallmark shit. invented uh, Valentine's Day. I don't know that they invented it, but that makes, some, that makes sense. Yeah. So um, John says, yeah, it That's is. That's crazy. They just invented Valentine's Day. Well, I mean, it was like um, St. Valentine or some shit. No, I get it. But they were just like, yeah, not a lot's going on in February. Yeah. <laughs> All right? It's a I slow just, season uh, when it comes to chocolate because it's so fucking cold out. People don't want to eat chocolate. Let's I figure out a guess. way. I mean, is that what it is? People don't want to eat chocolate in, in I mean, in I, I'm the way I assume I feel it, like it's good for you in I February. just assume Hallmark, they were doing the cards, and Russell Stover, they had the chocolate. Yeah. They got drunk one night, <laughs> like, and they signed a deal. It's fucking. They just got faded. <laughs> they got fucked up. They're like, you got a lot of cards. We got a lot of candy. Let's put the card no, on the box. You know what they were doing? They are doing shots like in, in intravenous cocaine back then. Yeah, That's true. They're so they like, had, hey, we could drink all night. <laughs> with this shit dog That's right but they were Smoke like a million cigarettes they were like you guys get the cards we get the candy yeah it's yeah, called yeah. valentine's <laughs> day <laughs> let's go All somebody right. needs to make a movie out of valentine's day did Tell we it. just come up with the perfect pitch yeah time Anywho. to take the model t to fucking <laughs> vegas 
<laughs> double down, baby. Double down. When was Vegas kind of started? Okay. Well, it's interesting you ask that because okay. I've been working on a 13-part series about oh, Vegas. fuck me. So what you need to know about Vegas, Dave. <clears throat> but when you say 13-part series, how many series does that count that's for? That's 13 episodes. I know, but how many episodes does that count for this show? Oh, <laughs> well, this isn't a documentary. This would uh, be like a... Docu-series? Docu-series. We're going to have a five-hour We're going to review my own documentary. A part, a six-parter. So here's what you need to know about Vegas. Quick segue. Vegas basically became Vegas because of the Hoover Dam. Okay. Okay, so when they're constructing the Hoover Dam, which brings yeah. the Colorado River to the west... Yes, yes. They, they're... Vegas was a boom town. Yeah. It was just a little rusty railroad stop, one stop town. Yeah, Palace Station. But when, yeah. Fucking Palace Station. You, you bring in like. Home of the best oyster bar in the I world. I know. And there's only so, like eight stools in the joint. It's like 13. You got to wait two hours. Now, the problem is you have this mass movement of people there to build this dam, right? Yeah. Well, these this was all with the, the CCC, I believe. Uh-huh. You know, when uh, Roosevelt said we need infrastructure. The, con- the conservation something, something. Core. Core, yeah. Civil core, something like that. Yeah, Civil Conservation Core, something like Nothing that. like drop, drop it, me dropping an acronym and not knowing what it stands for. And I mean, we it. already talked about the four Cs. Now we've got the three Cs. Anyway, so. And my mom, who's so a So they C. go to build the Hoover Dam, and it's like. 40,000 people live in there, bro. Well, these people need to party. And that's yeah. how Vegas basically came out. These people need drugs and hookers. Yeah, because at the time, there was only a couple stops yeah. in between Boulder City, I want to say it is, and Vegas. And Do they still have a train that goes from the different power stations and the other stations? I don't or not know. Really? I don't know. That'd be anyway, cool. we'll get into that later. We got to get back to the story because right, John's got to talk about his business. Yes. Yeah, but you don't have to buy somebody's story, he says. You don't have to buy the marketing. Um, I was that kid that would like ask questions like, if we're all descended from Adam and Eve, how come we're not all inbred? <laughs> Smart kid. Smart kid. By the way, my favorite answer to that origin story <laughs> is the why don't Adam and Eve have belly, belly buttons? Mm, I've never heard you that. You ever okay. see that one? No. Yeah, in the paintings, they don't have belly buttons. Huh. Or maybe they do have belly buttons, and that's why they couldn't have been. I think that's it. They've got belly buttons. Yeah, that means that they're like, <laughs> so they they're born. I don't know. They're born from women. Somebody fact check me. We got we got we're all over the place. Anyway, yeah. he realizes as a kid, if adults don't have good answers for these questions, they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. So my fundamental belief is that the value of a diamond is in its technological capability. Diamond has the same transformative potential that silicon did have. And I do think that probably within 15 to 20 years, we'll see the amazing fast diamond transistors. This is what you were talking yes. about in our personal devices. Yes. But we don't think of it that way. We think of it as a gemstone. So, you know, I got to do what I got to do, which is make money by destroying a gem industry to create a new industry. And I think that's more valuable. You know, creative destruction. Isn't that like what Shiva said? See, I think that's why this a lot of this synthetic industry actually came about is because <clears throat> they wanted to make the transistors directly from the diamond plates. Yeah. Like they would just make the synthetic diamond plates from start, like from the beginning. They yeah. would make it in that shape, whatever shape they needed it to be from the very beginning. Yeah. I think... And well, like it's because instead of taking the diamond and then like turning them into plates, 
was more difficult than I don't know anything about plates and diamonds. All I know is that alchemists have been trying to do this forever. They also turned mercury into gold. Well, that's what I'm saying. They were trying to create a precious material by alchemy, and this is essentially 21st century alchemy that's being done in front of our eyes. I suppose so, sure. Now, whether it was done for ethical reasons, which I highly doubt was the initial idea, I think the initial idea was How can we make money off of this? Fuck yeah. How can I make some fuck? How can I print fucking money? And there's nothing wrong with that. All right? Let me put it to you this way. Yeah. If I had access to a counterfeiting machine, That'd be counterfeiting. We wouldn't be talking yeah. right now. I'd, I'd be, be known print. as a known counterfeiter on the run Correct. from the FBI. Correct. And Changing I'd be my selling that shit at 30 cents on the dollar. Yep. Yep. We'd be doing disguises and we would just have enough cash to go from beach to beach to beach to Thai beach to beach to beach yeah. to bo- ladyboy beach to yeah. beach. You know, Or just go spend the counterfeits and they don't even know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's not a good idea. That's what the guys <laughs> at the bottom do. If you want to make the big money in counterfeiting, you sell, the you counter- sell in bulk uh-huh. at like, you know, 20 cents on the dollar. Uh, Anyhow. Just enough to get by. Well, Dave. Yes. Let's go to the diamond capital of the world, shall we? Sure. Where is the diamond capital of the world, Dave? Ooh. Now, are we talking the diamond creation or diamond? Fucking diamond capital like, of the world. Like uh, where diamonds are sold, I wonder. Where all the action is. New York. Surat, India. Okay. Okay. That was way off. <laughs> I, I would have guessed New York or probably London, or I would have said Antwerp probably. I, London was my second guess. Well, we see uh, a bunch of men with tiny little magnifying glasses polishing diamonds on turntables. And it's like those, you ever go to a, you ever go to a Chinese restaurant? Mm-hmm. And lazy they got the little, yeah, got the lazy suits. The, the like, pass me the wasabi. And I'm you're surprised. Like, no problem. And you just spin that sucker around. My my company sells an assortment of stone and very high end lazy Susies uh-huh. and uh, lazy Susan, of course. And yeah. um, I'm surprised that uh, the the progressiveness of my company and they haven't changed that term yet. It's a derogatory. Term. Wow, that's true. Lazy, Susan. lazy. We're gonna get dinged for that. They yeah. still call spinning oh tables God. a lazy Susan. Can you believe Fucking that? And I, my sister, her husband, her daughter is named Susan. Anyway. They're working on the lazy Susans, passing, fucking polishing, passing, yeah. polishing. Okay. And, you know, they're in these crowded windowless rooms. It's dark. It looks like a slave camp. You know sure. what I mean? And it is. Yeah. They, even, they, they came out and just said that they like okayed 80 hour work weeks in India or something. About like that. time. Dude, they, they, and, 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 and like, you know, capitalists in America, they're like, they're like, be afraid of the person who will outwork you. Absolutely. That's why the U.S. has the fewest national holidays of seven. all major countries. Seven. Is that what? Is that the total? We I have? only get seven every year. I'm yeah. only required. Well, those like the those, bank holidays are, I think, eleven. Those depressed as fuck Scandinavians. They go to work like maybe once a week. Okay. They have like I want to say they have like thirty national holidays for their mental health. Anyway, yeah, but they're they're fucking. They don't spend money on defense. That's on true. Of, <laughs> we just cover it for them. <laughs> yeah, and then on top of that, they fucking, uh, 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 you know, they uh, not they're always are, in default. <laughs> not only are these guys sexist and misogynist, they're also ethnocentric, eggnocentric, which means they don't like eggnog. Can yeah. you believe that? They don't like eggnog, bro. You, I know we're getting off topic, real yeah. quick, but. 
You want to talk about ethnocentric countries? Uh-huh. Yeah. Look no further than Sweden. Oh, really? Oh, my God. They have a serious ra- racism problem against Ethiopians. I that, did know that because I worked in, there. They I let worked. in 2 million Ethiopian refugees yeah. into their country, and they've just caused havoc. Yeah. I have heard about the racism in Sweden before. I have also worked in Sweden, by the way. Not great audience members. Yeah, they don't. I don't. They uh-uh. don't. Uh-uh. Although I did hear a story about Louis and Joe List going there and having a wonderful time. One of the best well, restaurants. Well, they're funny though. Yeah, you, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. But uh, the fucking they uh, do one of the best, most expensive restaurants in the world is in Sweden. Yeah. It's like some kind of like sushi place or something. Uh, Danish best audiences in the world, without a doubt. And the Finnish, surprisingly, very good audiences. Wow, such a cultured man. No, I just just you know. Did a tour with the Shafir skis. And, no, you know, no, no. I'm just saying. No, you know, just, no, no. There's no Shafir skis. <laughs> no, no, I'm just joking. Okay. I'm just joking. Anyway, let's get back to Deuce on scene. Oh, that was, that was Monsters of Comedy. Sorry. Yeah. We're, you're so off topic here. You're <laughs> let's confusing go. Let's go. Audience. Let's go. Let's go. Okay. Well, Deuce on. He says in India, there are many polishing factories. There is an open market. So the dealers around the world, they have offices there. But the source of stones, I mean, could be anywhere. You know, the rough synthetic stones looks different. But when stone is polished and sent to dealers, there's no way they can recognize what is synthetic and what's natural. They're polishing whatever. You can send them what you have. They don't disclose and no one knows what is there. Yeah. Well, next we go to the Surat Diamond Association. And we meet an investigative journalist by the name of Melvin Thomas. Melvin. This is very, very trade. This is a secret, very trade. Very secret. Okay. Secret. Uh, <laughs> so actually seeing... Is it you, a secret? You can't see. You can't uh, see So what? Are, but what are they talking about, though? Oh, we're getting to it. Oh, okay. I'm just opening up with my impression. Sorry, sorry, sorry. And what are, are they really uh, scared about? They're scared, you know, they don't want things revealed. They it's, don't want things revealed. See, I would have gone with classic Seven <laughs> Eleven. They don't want things revealed. <laughs> okay. Although the diamonds across the world, one way or another. You did a good one, though. They land in Surat. The amount is very, very big. It's for $900 million every day. Good boy. And when the diamonds land here, legitimate or illegitimate, they have to go out, legally or illegally. Well, time to meet Teshmasp Printer. How can you have a first name like Tishmasp and your second, your last name's Printer? <laughs> if you're going to make a quick buck, nobody can really monitor your lack of integrity. Because when you are a thief, only when you're caught. Uh-huh. Until then, you're an honest person. Uh. It's not synthetics, which is a problem. It's the non-disclosure of synthetics, right. which is like creating a fear psychosis. Uh. We are virtually the police of the industry, but I mean, things do go wrong. Well, we're talking about fraud here, right? Yeah, it's fraud. It is fraud. It's downright fraud. I have many sources in the market. Many, 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 many sources in the market, many sources. This kind of activity is going on for many, many years and is also on the surge. It is happening. Also on the what? On, on the surge. Surge, surge, on the surge, surge, surge. This English is not very good. Yes, I It's can okay. Tell. It's very it's possible, like, though. But who are we going to catch? Oh, oh. <laughs> okay. Who are we going to catch? Who yeah, who are we going to catch? Who will be punished? Well, what are these faces? You know, they don't know. 
<laughs> you I, don't know. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> it's a classic go-to Indian line, isn't it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's line. I do not know. No, sir. no, I don't know. I'm sorry. I do not know. I don't know. Right, and right. no, and okay. no, and nobody knows. What yeah, these nobody, diamonds nobody are, knows. are processed. All right, let's go. It is not that easy to enter the factory. So nobody can enter the factory. Nobody can enter. Nobody can enter. Well, we see a busy street in India. We got bikes, motorbikes, people walking. Then the camera turns down an alley. And it stops in front of a couple of businesses. Their doors are rolled up. The camera pans up and it faces a four-story building and subsequently flashes down a dark stairwell, then down a narrow hallway into a small room lit by fluorescent overhead lights hanging from the ceiling over workbenches occupied by men with lacy Susans. Yeah. It's time to meet Mixer. Mixer. Shadu Baha'i. And this is my wife, computer. I will make it clear today because oh this is the God. time I will tell you a story. <laughs> this is the guy with 7-Eleven voice. <laughs> when I wake up tomorrow, I will pretend that like this never happened. It never happened, okay? I moved to Surat when I was 12 years old. I slept under the diamond wheels with mosquitoes for a company, okay? Mosquitoes. <laughs> mosquitoes. There, there was only one place to live in the factory. When boys were supposed to play, I held a diamond instead. A diamond was a god, okay? <laughs> As I got older, I realized that we are not working for ourselves because the diamond polisher who makes the diamond you're making is that uh, hold on, hold on. <laughs> we'll never get the chance to own a diamond himself. Then I learned that the people were making diamonds with the new processes in China, but they are they're cut and polished. They cannot be differentiated. But they're in the market mixed with the naturals, of course. Hoodwinking people and maligning the industry has become a game now. They are being cut and polished by the sackfuls. They have to go somewhere. They're being used somewhere. Nobody's going to keep them in the house stuffed in gunny bags. <laughs> no. Stuff, stuffed in gunny bags? That's how they talk. But is that a gunny bag? He said gu gunny bag. Gunny. <laughs> well, we see this crew <laughs> okay. of laborers and they're polishing stones. And it looks like fucking slave labor. And they're, sitting like, they're sitting like Indian style? No, I see what you did there. <laughs> no, no, but no, I'm serious. Which would Are help they? if you're sitting on with the lazy Susan. You sit, sitting on the floor or uh, on a table? They're at desk with the lazy okay, Susan. I, just, I don't know why I imagine them all on the floor. Yeah. Well, we this does not look like a legit operation. And that only confirmed when we see a picture of Sandu just counting money. <laughs> Stacks of cash I'm yeah. counting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so $900 million, like, you know. What did he say? Eight to nine million dollars a day? Oh, eight to nine million dollars a day? Oh. Eight to nine hundred million dollars yeah. every day. That's They're fucking very crazy, big. dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You think? How do you... How, how, how? I don't know. I don't... Jesus, dude. dude. They're cranking out lab-grown shit, man. But how much is actually lab-grown? So, like, I wonder, yeah. Well... I don't it, know what the real number is. Let's head off to uh, International so Diamond Week. You ever been? Is that in Vegas? No. Oh. This year it looks like it was in uh, Israel. Okay. I think it rotates. 
Well, and it goes from Israel to Jerusalem <laughs> to <laughs> Tel Aviv. To <laughs> 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 okay. We see a presenter there, and he says, the reputation of the Indian diamond industry is at stake, and millions of people connected to the industry is also at stake. This edition of International Diamond Week is taking place during the most sensitive period uh, the world diamond industry has ever known. I also urge the trade to eradicate the elements who are out there to tarnish the image of the industry by doing undisclosed mixing of synthetic and natural diamonds. Well, interviewer, he's back down sitting with Temshop Printer. He says... So what I'm trying to understand here now is how do people stop the mixing? Well, that's tough. Very tough. Both are real diamonds. You know, both are real diamonds, you know. And Peter uh, Mius, who's a, an international diamond broker, he says the polished diamond output of one dominant synthetic rough producer is said to enter the consumer market largely undisclosed. Winter is coming. Okay. He says that. Huh. Today, millions of carats and synthetic are flooding market. No one so will like, lodge an official complaint. No one is interested. Where Where is the synthetic? Where is it getting dumped into? Like, at what point? So, you, there, so a company. China's making them. China's making getting them. Getting them to, to Surat. And Surat's, Polishing them up. Uh-huh. Surat's just like, hey, man. Yeah. Look at the shit around us. Yeah. All right. We work 90 hours a week. Yeah. These guys are spinning fucking plates all day. Yeah. Who gives a fuck if it's not a real diamond? It looks yeah. like a real diamond. No, I know. They don't give a fuck. I'm not yeah. saying for them. So basically, <laughs> that's just what it is. So then China know. just, and then China just, and they sell them to India or, or they get them polished in India and then move them somewhere else. All I could make of from watching yeah. this shit is that it gets fucking created in China and somehow ends up in India. Maybe yeah. maybe in a gunny sack. Okay. Maybe that's it. All right, go on. There. All right. Anyway, this has been the biggest inside secret in the industry. This is the interview talking to Aja. And she says, everybody I know knows about it. And yet zero people outside the industry know. Zero. And she says, because they would start asking questions and who benefits. But there's no other way for the police to ever deal with this. Well, Tishmal Printer, he says, how? I mean, the police don't have any clue. You can't make out the difference. You need special equipment. Well, Aja, according to her, she says, there's always been mixing. The problem is not the mixing. The problem is consumers finding out about the mixing. As long as nobody finds out, nobody cares, right? Now, this is like adpocalypse. Uh-huh. This is like fake bots <clears throat> making views. And then the ad people think that they're actually Correct. getting the views, but they're not really, and it's the turnover rate. And a little close to home, Baba. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden... By the way, we still haven't bought bots on this show. No. Yeah. Good. I mean, this... Yeah, I mean, so anyway. there's, no, there's no point. This is counter... I mean, anyway. Somebody sells me a synthetic diamond, and I don't know it. Who, who, who was the crime committed against? Was it committed against me? I wanted a diamond and I have one. So I'm happy. And if I don't know the difference, the difference doesn't exist. Well, Tomash Printer says, so as long as there are some minute uh, identifiable characteristics, we are in the run. But what happens if there exists a synthetic diamond which is not identifiable? It is a natural. 
you don't know. You don't know. Well, Dusan, he says, I will tell I will tell you the dealers, they will say right now, who cares? One's authentic, one natural. It doesn't matter. Fugazi, Fugazi, it's woozy, it's wazy. Okay. Fugazi, <laughs> Fugazi. But I care. I always thought Fugazi meant gay, but it means fake. It means fake. Yeah. But I care. I have to recognize few parts per billion of nitrogen in the form of this nitrogen. How to see these tiny differences, that is the problem. So it means there is no simple identification. Not simple, not fast. Doesn't exist and will never exist, you know. But then the beers came up with automated system. Aha. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Of course they did. That's because the, they fucking created the fucking synthetics, probably. This is the De Beers representative <coughs> speaking. The International Institute of Diamond Grading and Research is a very, very new, important business for De Beers. It's focused primarily, currently, on selling detection equipment around the world. Of course. And then all these That's boxes. That's called pivoting. It's called pivoting and selling and finding a new channel, or a, a new, new product funnel. to sell. Well, Dusan says, and then all these boxes came to market. And then we hear about them. Welcome to the new world of authenticity. Uh, Al Rosa Diamond Inspector is a mini laboratory. GIA's gem testing device distinguishes natural diamonds from laboratory-grown diamonds. It comes with the fastest and smartest technology ever. It's like your own portable gemologist. Uh, a person with no technical knowledge can easily learn how to operate the system. If you have big tits and a fat ass. They actually show a girl with big tits selling these things. Yeah. Desktop instrument is easy to operate. So the black box technology, excuse me, that's, we're back to our guy. So the black box technology replaced the service that you created. Did you understand the significance at the time? Come on. I was like all of us, small guys, small oh, labs. Oh, no. Everything will go. We'll go. We'll be close very soon. What I did value not has longer value. <laughs> I screwed that up. He didn't talk about yeah, that. Yeah, but damn. So Wiped like, out so, overnight. So this guy, I mean, was it like a patented something or other? Just like a processes? They put out, you know, it's, it reminded me of the fucking Elizabeth Holmes black box. You know, mm -hmm. the fucking, know. she's the one that went to the clink for uh, Theranos. Bergerac? It says it was going to do all this amazing shit. It'll be able to tell you if it's fake or real. Got it. But it's not that good. So, <laughs> anyway. Am I right about that? Theranos de Bergerac? Or what is that? No, you're wrong. It's okay. just Theranos. Elizabeth What's Theranos? Holmes. Theranos was the fucking startup that was valued at one point for like $9 billion. Uh. And it was Elizabeth Holmes' company. She said she's going to be the next Steve Jobs. And it was a blood testing device, oh. which just a prick of a finger yeah. would do all your blood work. So you didn't uh, have to go to uh, a phlebotomist right. and get it done. And w Walgreens bought a contract with them. And, and then all then the machines failed. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Oh. Then she fucked one of the guys. Oh, the I do board. remember that. That she made a fake <laughs> she made like a fake thing. Yeah. She it wasn't it's not that it failed, it was never gonna work. It was never gonna work. Yeah, it was yeah. fraud. She got yeah. 13 years in jail. Oh, uh, that's right. But yeah. then of course she got pregnant right before she went to jail. Wait, did we do an episode on that? No. No, you were but just telling me about it. I prob we probably should, because yeah. HBO has a great document. You did about. tell me about that. So anyway, we're gonna wrap up with Aja here and then we're gonna talk about one thing called a day. Okay. 
Okay, so uh, Aja says they only put the melee through those machines because mm. its purpose uh-huh. is not to subvert any criminal activity. It's to make everyone else feel safe so there's no panic. Security theater. Got it. And I think it's, this is the interviewer, he says, and I think it's kind of one of the most incredible things because you don't have to dig very far to actually find out that mixing is not what everybody is scared of happening, but of people finding out of it happening. (laughs) Surprise, your big diamond might be fake too, even if you have a nice GIA certificate. What do you mean? I mean, you might buy a diamond with a GIA certificate telling you where it's from, where it was mined, but it's a for real, actual, and conflict-free diamond, and the only thing that you might be conflicted about is the fact that it's not. That it's not blood diamond. (laughs) But it comes with a certificate. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. As long as everybody else mm-hmm. thinks that it's but <laughs> from the hands of that certificate, old Africans is like a it's like a bearer bond. If you have it, you could have you could you could have a tennis ball and one of those certificates, and if they match, you must have to accept this, this tennis ball is a really weird looking diamond. So there's a whole cottage industry making fake birth certificates for fake or lab grown. Yeah. Yeah, diamonds. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's so, where I kind of figured. Yeah. So but I didn't I didn't I I for some reason I didn't even think about that because I I mean I know that it's easy to get that shit faked and trade out diamonds and blah 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 like you know people do that that shit happens all the time. But the fact that they're legit certi- certifications certification but is a fucking damn. There's dude. a fucking scam behind every scam behind every scam. Yes, and business. then behind every scam behind every scam behind every scam, there's an Armenian. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we don't talk like that. Okay. So I just want to uh, end with this. <laughs> We're going to talk about a few other diamonds on uh, part two. Have you ever heard of the Star of South Africa, Dave? Ooh, yes. That was one of the Queen's somethings, right? Also known as the Dudley Diamond. It was a 47.69 carat. Now, for perspective, that's 9.538 grams of white diamond. So how how many grams are in an eight ball? 3.5. Okay, so take an eight ball, multiply it by three, and that's how heavy that diamond would weigh. So we got a fucking... So you say it's nine grams? It was 9.53 grams Sick, of white diamond. Man. It was found by pretty a good, man. Greekwa shepherd. It's good for about a 72-hour bender for me. Okay. Found by a Greekwa shepherd in 1869 on the banks of the Orange River. The original stone, wow. before cutting, weighed 83.5 carats. So they trimmed half of the diamond just to cut it. That's another thing, too. It's like the fucking... What made diamonds cool and shit back in the 1600s or wherever, mm. 14. Yeah, 14, Even back 100 years ago, even back 60 to 70 years ago, was that it was really fucking hard to like even cut them and stuff like that. Yeah. They're not easy to manipulate and they're hard as fuck. Yeah. And like, so back then, it's like to make a diamond look pretty took some craftsmanship. Yeah. 
bullshit, man. Well, the finding of this large diamond led to diamond prospectors coming to the area, culminating in the July 1871 rush to the nearby new diamond field of Colesburg Kopchi, soon known as the New Rush, and later to be known as Kimberly. Okay, Kimberly's very important. Okay. The shepherd sold the stone for the hefty price of 500 sheep, 10 oxen, <laughs> Hell yeah. 10 oxen, and a horse to Schock van Niekerk. Schock van Niekerk. Schock van Niekerk. And My, ne- <laughs> go, ahead, go ahead, get it in. <laughs> you want to touch the Schock van Niekerk? <laughs> hello. Schock van Niekerk. Okay, okay. Let's get it down. We're looking at 500 sheep. Uh, <laughs> 10 oxen. 10 oxen and a horse. <laughs> Well, a neighboring farmer locally... Like, I'll give you nine sheep. I mean, I'll give you 499 <laughs> sheep, man. A neighboring farmer locally famous for having acquired a 21 and a uh, quarter carat diamond in 1866 after it was found by a 15-year-old boy, Erasmus Jacobs, which he had sold for a good price. Now, Van Niekerk sold the stone to the Lillenfield brothers of Hopetown for... One million three hundred and sixty-three thousand pounds. That's current money. So that's okay. what he got for it back then in 1866. <laughs> the Lillianfield brothers sent it to England, where it has changed hands twice before finally being brought bought by the Countess of Dudley for twenty-five pounds, twenty-five thousand pounds. William Ward, uh, the Earl of Dudley, had it mounted with 95 smaller diamonds in a head ornament. The diamond, maybe this is your, what you're saying. It's yeah. Crown jewels I think it's like shit. I think it's like the Queen's something or other. I think so. The diamond stayed in the Earl's estate until uh, 2 May 1974 when it was sold on auction in Geneva for 1.6 million Swiss francs, equivalent to around uh 2,497,000 British pounds in 2021. It huh. was last seen in public. Yeah, but when did the queen die? I don't know. A couple of years ago. That's Maybe a, not I even. I think Maybe they auctioned it. Oh, they shit. did? Yeah, I think so that's, that's her what, shit they're talking about. I think I won't, I mean the Dudley I'll, Diamond. The stars don't you don't even google it. I already googled it. This is all that came up when I found it. Anyway, uh it was last seen in public at the vault of the Natural History Museum in London in 2020. Star South Africa Diamond. The diamond eventually became the property of the Earl of Dudley. That's what I just who said. Who purchased from the Queen's jewelry messers. Okay. Well, anyway. Dinner rocks $25,000. Okay, yeah, yeah. Anyway, $25,000. Yeah, it was the Queen. But, but yeah, yeah. I think it's when they say the Queen. Uh, it's a different one for the Queen because uh, it was last seen okay. in 2006. Okay, whatever, whatever. But you can see a reproduction of the uncut and cut diamond uh, at the Natural History Museum in London, Damn. which I saw. Yeah, uh, because there's the, a there there's a there's a picture of yeah South African diamonds. Okay, never mind. Go on. Go on. Anyway, that was one of my highlights. The last time I was in London, I went to yeah. the Natural History Museum, and I was looking at all these gems, and then they were like, "Oh, just so you know, 
These aren't the real ones. These are just reproductions. Wow, that's bullshit. They have a lot of cool, amazing stuff, but like the big stuff that's like the famous shit, the yeah. reproductions. But it was yeah, still yeah, really yeah, cool. Yeah. Anyway, that is going to do it for this week's episode. Nice. Uh, down on the docks. That's pretty fun. Are, are you enjoying it so far? Yeah, pretty good. Now, Dave, do you think there's a chance you might watch a documentary about diamonds like this? No. However, I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. <laughs> However, I will tell you one thing. Yeah. Probably can go home and watch Valley Uprising. Oh, okay. So this means when we come back with episode 70, when I say I don't Dave, know if it's going to happen, but have, I might. How is Valley Uprising? You finally watched a documentary. What do you think? You're going to have an answer. I might. Okay. We'll see what happens. Guys, uh, thank you as always for joining us. Like I said, the special shout out this week goes to RSB68, our tireless uh, supporter through memes and his brilliant artwork of our show. I would say go follow him. Now, here's the thing. He's so underground, he doesn't want to be followed. He doesn't have the follow. And I don't know if it's part of his marketing or what. <clears throat> he doesn't. But I want no to. No social media. You I can only be, be contacted through Bitcoin Discord. and Discord. Yeah. So if you do want to uh, meet him, you can find him in our Discord. He posts there a lot. And again, Dave, uh, please tell the listeners what they can do to support us. Yes. Go to down the docks at gmail.com if you want to send us an email you can go to down on the docks pod on instagram send us a little instagrammy that's where you see all of our memes too i mean it's a pretty entertaining page i gotta yeah. get back to making some clips but don't worry um and then if you I'll want to worry about us, that accent because i don't like it if you want to interact with me and chris and look at all my um uh, interesting posts that i post on twitter throughout the day follow us on uh twitter at down the docks and uh you can follow me too dave sarah everywhere a wrap. See you guys later. Have fun. Happy Bye. Thanksgiving.